Uh, what I want to do, of course, is remind everyone, go to HankStrange.com, sign up for our email list, look around the website, all right, because uh, we've got different things on there. There's a tab, a merchandise tab, where you guys can figure out how to get uh, the cool Hank Strange merchandise that we have on there that comes from Ballistic Inc., as well as uh, Lola's got the patches on there. Here, let me share these with, the, with you guys, as I usually do. Lola's got the patches. If you get any of the patches right now, what's actually going to happen is uh, Lola, while we have uh, stickers left, she's going to send stickers out to you. And, um, you know, I think that's a little bonus from the NSSF who sent us those stickers. So big shout out to everyone out there. Smash the thumbs ups, all that kind of stuff. Thank you to Harry's Holsters. I'm going to press the open button and get this going. Welcome back. To there the we Hank go. Strange Boom. Situation. We are live. Lifestyle Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Loaded. Thumbs up. Ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live. And I'm going to drop my guests in here right now. There we got Rob. We've got Patrick. We've got myself. Okay, so Patrick, this is your first time. Rob, you're old school at this. Everyone has to do jazz hands. So Patrick, I don't know if you can see that right now. You look, your image looks frozen, but everyone's got to do jazz hands, Rob. Come on. Okay. What's happening? I can't hear your audio, Rob. Because he ain't talking. Oh. I was trying. Oh, there you go. Oh, there but now go. I hear Patrick, but, but I can't but see But now Patrick. he's frozen. Yeah, I know. You're frozen. You're frozen, Patrick. <laughs> we'll yeah, get this right. We'll get to, We'll get this right here. Can we take two? <laughs> uh, take your camera on and off, Patrick. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm seeing Patrick's camera frozen. Are you, Rob? Yep. Yeah. I'm seeing Rob's camera frozen. Oh, okay. I think it's on I'm your end. I'm incredibly active. Yeah, I think it's on your end, Patrick. So you might have to. Um, okay. We'll try to figure this. Where yeah. Can. Yeah. Go to the go to the Skype button, and you've got a microphone, a camera button there. You could press the camera button, turn it on and off, see if that gets anything going. While you're getting all that set up, you're you're frozen, so you still have an image up on the screen. Um, I'm gonna let everyone know this is episode 660. And like I said, my guests are Rob Pincus. And also a witness to that uh, second NFAC ND that we saw a couple of weeks ago. His name is Patrick Dominguez. He's joining us here as well once we get his camera working uh, to talk about some of that stuff. And uh, that's pretty much it. We've got you guys out there. As you're coming in here, please smash the thumbs up. Share this if you can. YouTube is severely ghosting everything that we do. I've noticed lately that they've been putting like age restrictions on our videos. <laughs> All kinds of craziness happening with the YouTubes lately. Apparently, they're not happy about us talking about politics. Whatever. We're going to do that. And as I said before, big shout out to Harry's Holsters. Um, and you guys can use the code uh, Hank Strange, and that gets you 10% off at Harry's Holsters. He's got a new whole line out there. Let me see. Uh, Patrick, are you still out there? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I'm not sure why your screen froze. I'm not sure either. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe try like, uh, maybe try restarting or something like that if you have to, and we'll be right here. All right. You should be able to come back in. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get this we'll get this worked out. This is Patrick's first time, by the way, uh, doing this anything like this. So, um, and let's see. So I'll I'll go to you, Rob. Not even. What's letting... What's up, man? What you know? What have you been up to? You know, it's been, it's, I don't know how long it's been since we've gotten a chat here in front of people, but uh, it's been a weird year, as everybody says, right? But for me, it just seems like mm -hmm. 
it's taking forever like literally forever like like i don't something came up well i mean like the rally obviously we're talking about that being you know we're going to be doing that for the second time and it's not quite a year since the last one but about two weeks ago something came up in my like facebook memories or whatever that was a year ago Mm -hmm. and i was just like no way that that was six years ago i'm sure that was six years ago not a year ago this Mm -hmm. it seems like you know the March uh, decision, like to cancel the PDN tour. I think that's the problem, right? We canceled the tour this year. So I have been moving and all going all over the place and a lot of back and forth between Colorado and Florida, of course, but I haven't done my normal, like I just turn everything sort of on autopilot for four months and drive across the country teaching, you know, 40, 50, 60 classes. And because that was pulled out of my life for the first time in, a, in you know, over a decade, it just seems like it's taken forever to get to maybe that restart, you know, reboot in March. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I completely understand that. I don't know. I think Patrick's still here. Um, I'm still I, I heard him. It's not, mumbling. My yeah. computer's not letting me do anything. Oh, your computer might've frozen on you. So you might have to just hit the big power button and restart that sucker. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to do, but it ain't even letting me do that. Really? Is it a PC or, or a Mac? Nah, PC. Oh, okay. There should be a power button. So unplug everything. <laughs> yeah. Also, well, you, possibly try shaking it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it worked out. By the way, also, big shout out to Guns and Gadgets. I see him out there. Our friend Guns and Gadgets is out there in the chat. Uh, big shout out to him and everyone who's in here. We'll get all the stuff worked out, Patrick. Don't worry about it. It happens. Uh, is he still there? I don't know. Maybe he's... I'm still here. Wow, your computer's that frozen. <laughs> ah, yeah, and it doesn't have an ex- a battery pack that I can unplug on it. Yeah, um, hold down the power button. Or, you know what? Control-Alt-Delete. Does that still work? Who knows about PC? I'm not a PC guy. I don't. You're, yeah, you're a Mac guy, right, Rob? Yeah, I'm mean, not yeah. a PC in any of the possible ways that could be taken. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, James Miller says, hold down the power button till it shuts off. So that's basically how you go about that. Uh, which, uh, you know, which... Here, here, Lola. Yeah, so... Um, here, let me just, I'm gonna, Lola's gonna probably try to reach out to you, Patrick. Let's do that, uh, here. So, um, <coughs> yeah, sorry about that. All right, let's get our acts together over here. All right, so Rob, while we're waiting for all that, um, yes, the, the year's going on. It seems crazy. I've been working nonstop. Um, has that been happening with you too, even though some things got put off? Oh, for sure. It's, it's definitely been a busy year, but it has not been a uh, you know normal year. So I, th- I took a whole bunch of time in the spring to work on projects and, and uh, not even necessarily professional projects, just like take on some time to do some things that uh, I've been meaning to do. I mean, like, like for example, uh, I don't know if you saw your car guy, right? So uh, I don't know if you saw, like I did some modifications to my FJ Cruiser that I've had. Uh-huh. But I've probably wanted to, I've talked about doing one way or another for like a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had uh, uh, my buddy down in Florida. He has a, a just amazing Broncos. He's kind of got every tool possible and all the knowledge and all the skills for legit, like, you know, modification work. So everything from body work to welding to, you know, mm-hmm. so we took the top off of it and kind of Mad Maxed it, skeletonized oh, wow. it because it's like a turkey. Yeah, it's a tertiary. Where do I see sure. pictures of this? My my brother, actually, my brother has an FJ. It's on my YouTube. So if you just go to my like Rob Pinkus YouTube channel, oh, there's a okay. video from maybe back in April, 
I'm okay. guessing, I think we talked, we actually cut the top off on my birthday. I think it was April 2nd. And then by April, by the end of April, there's a video up there of it being driven around and stuff. So it's still okay. kind of a little bit of a, you know, it's still a work in progress, but that would be an example of something I never would have taken the time to like spend as many nights in a row. Like I just don't have them. Right. So mm-hmm. did that, um, spent an amazing amount of time with my daughter, my, my younger daughter, my five-year-old, she and I have been running all over the country, spent a lot of time with family, uh, multiple cross country drives. I got a, a new truck in April and, uh, had 27,000 miles on it by the end of August. Didn't, and, I, uh, didn't I see somewhere? Did someone break into your truck or? Yeah. So then that truck yeah. got stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that was, that's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. Um, actually, I just saw the truck that it got recovered. Um, and w- one of the funny stories there was like, you know, I, I, I obviously, you know, have been in law enforcement and I, I kind of empathize with the difficulty of the job and all that, but mm-hmm. a little bit frustrating, you know, they ask, you know, are you going to press charges? Yes, obviously, right? Like if we find the guys, I'll press charges. Then the follow-up question is, do you want us to process the vehicle for prints or whatever, right? Evidence. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is 99% of the people say no. And people say no because they don't want the fingerprint dusting. They don't want the cops going through all their stuff, kind of yeah. like that kind of thing. They don't want um, – it takes a couple extra days. They can't even go visit the vehicle while it's in the impound until after it's been processed. So most people, when confronted with the reality of it, they're like, yeah, I want to press charges. But no, I'm not going to let you do the things we would actually need to do to collect evidence and actually get a conviction. Right. So that's disingenuous. So I let them do that. Um which I, I'm not worried about anything they're going to find in there of mine, right? So yeah, have at it, and we'll, we'll get it clean, like no big deal. Like the integrity of saying I want to press charges and like seeking justice mm-hmm. to not let them do that is foolish, right? Mm-hmm. So let them do it, and then I get access to the vehicle for the first time, like a week after they find it, and I had seen some pictures, and in the pictures there's these backpacks, right, that aren't mine, they aren't my daughter's, like backpacks. So obviously they, what they, what they now is obvious is they use this vehicle to drive around and break into a bunch of other places oh, to man. steal stuff. Oh, so they were using my vehicle. So my vehicles on all these security cameras to be right. used. Right. Um, and then they dumped my vehicle. Well, they left a bunch of stuff in there. Well, it, one of the things was this backpack that had like a stethoscope and, um, one of the local hospitals had a little, uh, a tag on it and uh, just quick open it up. There's two prescription pill bottles and, a calendar planner with a work schedule on the front, including the office numbers and all that, and the coworkers numbers and pager extensions, all that stuff. And then a bunch of other personal stuff, right? And it's like, it literally took me 10 seconds Detective of looking work. at that bag, right? Yeah. To like, because of my incredible, like, you know, law enforcement training that's 20 years old for investigations, I was able to figure out, you know, and then 15 seconds later, I'm on Facebook because it was kind of a unique name and I'm able to send a message and a friend request to the so person, person like, hey, found your stuff. 20 minutes later, she's like, Oh my God, can you send me a picture? That's amazing. And then, and then, then, then it's like the mind starts coming. Oh, wait, what if she's the girlfriend, the guy who stole my truck? Right. Mm-hmm. So she, and she sends me a screenshot of her police report from reporting that her car was broken into and the missing stuff. And the next day she comes over and, you know, picks the stuff up, meet her on the street corner, came over with her brother. Cause she doesn't know who I am either. Right. Yeah. Right. Her and her brother show up and I give her a backpack and cool. And it's like, again, it would have taken Denver PD I mean, they, it seems minutes. like they didn't even try. Yeah, it seems like right. they didn't even try. Um, by the way, we have Patrick back. Patrick, we can see you. You're moving. Awesome. Right. Yeah, let me just finish this train of thought with uh, Pincus. When when that vehicle got stolen, were there any guns in there? That was my first no, thought. I, 
Yeah, obviously that's a bunch of, and it's funny, it was funny watching the comments because I put up a picture of it, like stolen, you know, with the tags were, mm-hmm. and that, it was, it was really interesting to watch. First of all, of course, all the PMs lit up, right? I get text messages, everybody asking, and a lot of people ask that question, but it was really funny to watch like people that didn't want to ask that question or like, <laughs> but were clearly like, that's all they thought about. Like in yeah. the comp people that don't really know me because people who knew me were immediately like texting me and it's, and I'm no way am I claiming I've never left a vehicle like a gun in a vehicle overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, go back in the day. Right. I didn't even really supposed to have those guns at my age and in those places and their guns were in there. And that was, you know, I've talked about that, right? Like I've evolved my gun responsibility over the decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that there's, you know, a lot of people point out, wow, you drive a truck with logos, uh, all the gun company gun stuff, logos. Yeah all over the country for 10 years and never have a vehicle get broken into with truck vaults, you know, full of guns because that's what truck vaults are made for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and now here I am just like with a completely unwed at a little IC training company sticker on the back at an ancient city. They did not break into this vehicle looking for guns. And you know, that's gets broken into, did you have any guns in there? You know? So what was in there that they got that would be of interest to, to like our audiences, right? There was a, uh, set of body armor, right? So there was just like a quick throw on uh, plate carrier with some stuff. There were, there were two magazines in that that were loaded. Uh, there was uh, three, at least three that I figured out medical kits in there. There was my like what I call a rollover kit, which is a big orange bag that has a bunch of trauma stuff. If I were to pull over, you know, and there's a rollover, there was kind of mass problem, right? And then my range kit uh, is there on a tearaway. It's one of those 511 like rip off the Velcro-y thing. Mm-hmm. So that, that tearaway kit was actually attached to a gun mount. And the gun mount is this really, people look at it like Instagram, you know, at gun mounts, um, really cool, um, innovative, secure, and I'm gonna use air quotes, rack mm-hmm. for a gun. And what's what the reason it's only secure with air quotes is, it's a metal bracket that goes on the back seat and then it's got a very stout, like you would put in a, in a police cruiser, uh, bracket that holds the AR and locks it in. And you would have to do some major work to get it unlocked or break it to get the AR out. Mm-hmm. However, parking it on the street in front of an apartment building in Denver, you can look in and see the AR, right? Mm-hmm. Which is even if, if people tempts people to break the window and then you, you would have to use like a, a cable lock or a Kevlar, um, reinforced strap, something that's, you know, a non cut or a cut proof cut resistant is really what it is type of strap. And I had a cable lock on the bottom of it to the bracket that holds the seat in. Mm -hmm. And so they, they use something to cut that or defeat that cable lock because the whole rack was gone. And one of my medical kits was attached to that. Now there wasn't a rifle in it. And what's interesting was that I had just put up some pictures of that the week before, and there were a whole bunch of, you know, comment conversations about whether or not it was a good idea to use that for, for storing a gun. And, you know, I had made the point several times, like my intention is not to have the truck in an urban environment with the vehicle, with the gun exposed, with that being where the gun's stored. Uh, it's just for while I'm driving around, because I spend so much time driving around and so much time in rural spaces and so much time with like 10 or 12 hours a day on the road on the interstate. It's a great place to stage a, a truck gun for quick access. So uh, so that was so there was a lot of controversy. I don't say controversy. There's a lot of people that I think even you know how it is, like there may be even people here in the comments, like somebody's going to be in there like, no way Pinkies didn't have guns in the car. You know, like, I'll tell <laughs> oh, you, man. So like, guns I, and gadgets has a thing. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. And by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with that here in a sec. Everyone out there smash the thumbs up. Okay. You guys need to do that. 
Uh, Guns and Gadgets says Rob had a truck full of pistol braces. The ATF stole the truck. <laughs> See, there you go. Like that would make sense, right? Yeah. Like and, uh, and I was thinking about the FK Bruno, Rob. I was like, hmm. Right. I wonder if well, that FK no. Bruno was. Hey, <laughs> my, my 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 Bruno uh, guns might be worth more than the truck if I put if I put all my guns and accessories in there all together. Like so. Right. Yeah, it's uh, no. They're really and and again, I'm not I'm not claiming that there haven't been times where there have been guns overnight in my vehicles, but in almost every case, it's situations where it's, it's in a, some kind of a lockbox or gun vault or the truck vault specifically that brand that are bolted to the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Not just a cable lock. So I'm not usually inclined to do that, especially in this kind of an environment. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm up on the mountains or even in, in remote Southwestern Colorado where it's very different, um, here in, in Denver. And we know we get cars broken into all the time in this mm-hmm. area. Uh, I even called the, the PD down, you know, it's about two miles from me, called a buddy of mine at that PD and said, hey, here's what happened. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's probably in our town. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And sure enough, he texted me three days later and said, hey, one of our patrol guys found your truck and we're getting it to Denver. If you put in the inbound, we'll contact Denver PD. So we kind of knew. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that, it would be incredibly foolish for me to, you know, leave a bunch of ARs out there. Now, I feel bad about the body armor being out there. Um, I did have that moment. Where, okay, so I've got, and, and because of the nature, I'm right now, I'm not in any reserve law enforcement capacity, which I have been most of the last 20 something years, but I'm not currently right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm sensitive to the fact that because of our magazine ban restriction in Colorado, you know, there's two things. One, I have lived in Colorado off and on and pretty much constantly since 2003. Well, even though I'm a resident of Florida right now, I've had a place here since 2003. And I have a whole bunch of magazines that have been here, you know, since the 2000s, since long before the ban went into effect. So they're they're legal in my possession. I also have something like let's look at like the Mission First uh, Tactical, the upgraded magazines, those new ones. Those didn't exist before the ban. So there's no way any of those that I have could be legal for me to own without my law enforcement credentials here in Colorado, right? Because they they're post ban. So I wasn't even sure, like I'm 99% sure there weren't any of those in that truck, but that truck goes back and forth between here in Florida all the time and I could have made a mistake. So one of the things that came up with the whole letting the police you know, process it is, am I going to be the first guy that ever gets charged in the history of companies? <laughs> it would be so, uh, yeah. It, you know what? I don't but, wish it on you. <laughs> but no, yeah, that but would be I mean, so at insane. The end of the day, it would be like, that would be, yeah, as a Florida yeah. resident. Only you, law- Rob, only you would wind up in that position. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't talk to a couple of people in, in friends in the gun rights organization saying, hey, just in case. Yeah, they there's, might come there's get just you. In case. Exactly, but, exactly. Uh, they haven't, unless they're watching this now, they're going to relook at the inventory list. But I didn't see any in there. So those, so there are uh, at least a couple of magazines that got taken out of there. And, but on the other hand, they're, they're, what is on the inventory is a bunch of uh, like loose rounds. Like I'm, you know, I, rounds under the seat, rounds in the cup holders, whatever. So there were uh, rounds left in there. That, so apparently these guys, you know, weren't weren't taking every bullet they could. It looks like they were really interested in just grabbing as much stuff as they can. And, and the impound lot had, uh, they said four or five of the same year range, uh, higher end trim level F one fifties on the the lot within the last within like a week of mine being there. Oh. So apparently some kind of electronic hacky relay they can on. get yeah. push button start. You know, so it's. They, uh, that's a thing, so. Yeah, don't get an F-150 unless you get some uh, extra security devices. 
And you know, it's, 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 I usually get the Viper remote start because out here in the cold and this truck is the first vehicle I've had first, first truck I've had with a remote start. So I didn't bother putting one of those Viper things in there. And the Viper thing of course has tracking and you can shut it down and all that stuff. So yeah. So lesson learned remote start isn't the only reason to get the Viper. Yeah. And I think, um, I guess it's GMC has OnStar where you could shut it off. You could call up the cops and they'll shut it down. And right. Ford has a version of that, but you have to like subscribe to it. And yeah. I, I think you, if, I think if it's installed in the vehicle, you could do it at any time. So even not for this one, yeah, oh. this one. I think they they, they said uh, you know, that's a thing. Like I think it started in 2017 or 18, and oh, okay. this is 2016. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. By the way, Patrick's here. He's trying to. What was that? You're trying to say, Patrick? I was saying, or with the OnStar, they can track the vehicle and catch him while it's en route. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Awesome. You know. So I've heard that they had a F-150s. I think it was heard today was one of the uh, top uh, vehicles on the, being stolen mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I testify. Yeah. It's also one of the most popular vehicles in the world, I think. I think uh, America definitely makes more pickup trucks than anywhere else. But F-150, I think, is number one pickup truck, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Number one in the U.S. and number one in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and it's not that's what you get, Rob. One you, should, you should have gotten a Tundra. Did, see? You, I thought about it. But this was, I had your FJ. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I, I, I had a good friend make me a deal on this one, and it's, it was, it's a great truck, and hopefully yeah. it'll be back in, in good shape here soon, or I'll get something else. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, by the way, we do have Patrick here. We'll bring Patrick in. We'll, we'll answer any of the questions you guys have. If Rob has any questions, I know, Rob, you haven't really been following. Um, this that much, but as just as an introduction, we'll let Patrick tell us about himself here. But um, so I think a couple of weeks ago, I did a video with John Crump talking about the second um, uh, negligent discharge that happened at an NFAC um, rally that was going on. And I think we said certain things like, hey, this guy was NFAC, the guy was not NFAC. You know, there were some other people in there that were all dressed in the black uniform and also had some badges on. Those guys were not NFAC. Um, so there's there's a whole bunch of things there, right? I know this is what happens when we're all looking at things and talking about stuff. Um, I invite anyone who officially represents NFAC to come on or get in touch with me, and, and, and I'll be happy to have them come on here. I've been doing that from the beginning of this podcast. I've had lots of people on here. Um, I don't invite people to come on here so we could beat them up or anything, just so basically we can all talk figure out uh, what's going on. I, I approve of people uh, owning guns and uh, even having militias and things like that. So, And one of the things that I can say about the NFAC group, to my knowledge, um, in their rallies or protests, they've never burned down or destroyed anything, although there's obviously been some issues. So I just want to say all that. I'm going to introduce Patrick Dominguez. Uh, Patrick, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got there. And I believe if anyone wants to see, maybe I'll roll in some kind of video here, but you were the gentleman that was there when this happened and wrested away the firearm from the guy that had the discharge, right? Correct. Okay, so tell us who you are, You know, give us a little background and tell us how you wound up there that day. Well, name's Patrick, uh, third generation oil field trash, uh, work offshore domestically and overseas, drilling, derrick barge work, pipe lay work, I'm crane operator cr currently in a shipyard, uh, work law enforcement as a corrections officer, 
for five years, carried post certification for four, trained with the tactical unit for a short time, uh, been in the uh, 2A movement for a little over a year now. Uh, my first big event was the Virginia 2020 rally. I was there. Uh, I've been to the, uh, as an observer and a, how can you put it, a lookout uh, for uh, at the the BLM Antifa rallies here in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, finding their uh, their instigators and all that, and relaying that out so that it, so people know who they are, who to look for. Uh, and was doing ba- basically the same thing when I went out there to Lafayette, uh, but I got asked by a by a couple of guys, they had a camera guy who needed some people to do some security with him to make sure he could get in and out safely. And so I was there unarmed doing a security for it. So, so let me and um, let me let me try to make sure I'm getting all of this. Uh, OK, I think Rob turned his camera off there for a sec. So let me yeah. just make sure you so you were there for you were there at this event for security for who? For uh, the cameraman, he was working with okay. he was doing videos for uh, Acadian Open Channel also known yeah. as AFC. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you weren't there uh, as security um, in official capacity? You weren't working no, for, the, for the city or anything like that? You no. weren't working for the NFAC people? No. Okay, if you have any affiliations, what would your who would your affiliations be with? Uh, I'm not a member of any militia unit. I have affiliations with several groups. I've talked with people mm-hmm. across the country, uh, I don't want to throw any big names out there. Uh, I know with AP3, I talk with some people out of there. Uh, Illinois uh, State Militia, I got people out over there. I got people I talk with out in Virginia, mm-hmm. West Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. Oregon. Uh, I'm also uh, with an intel gathering group with a militia that we uh, are branched out across the whole country, okay. including Rico. But I don't want to throw their names out there. Okay. But okay, so you're not so um, you're not affiliated with NFAC, um, and no. just uh, can you give us your? And I know this is going to probably sound weird, but can you just tell us like what's your racial background? Obviously, your name is Patrick Dominguez. What uh, would be your background? Because I believe the NFAC's not going to allow in any non-black people. Right? Well, not into their ranks. Uh, yeah. But they did allow our our camera guy and the two. Uh, other white, two white gentlemen that were with him right up next to the uh, pavilion for the video. But I am half Mexican and half Irish, 100% American. Okay, awesome. All right, uh, respect that. So, so your guys were there, the camera people that you were there as unarmed security for were invited by NFAC to be there? No, they weren't. We weren't invited by NFAC to okay. be there. Okay, we were so- there. Acadian Open Channel is a uh, public service channel, basically, for uh, Lafayette. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's just a, a regular, a local news gathering organization. Okay. I got it. All right. Good. So, um, so you, you were there with them. What can you tell us about that event and, and how this whole thing went down? Uh, like give, give, give us an idea of what was going on there. Like what kind of people were there? What organizations, what was the mood, that kind of a thing? Well, the first group that was there was really primarily two groups was you had the new Black Panther Party from the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you had NFAC coming out later. 
in fact came after this year after the negligent negligent discharge uh they uh everything was going good there was uh everything was in the law within the constitution no problems i mean the new black panther party they were there they were armed but nobody was acting openly careless with their weapons we had a right a right wing group come in mm-hmm. and try to start some trouble I actually sent you some of those videos earlier. Right. While uh, you're talking here, I'm just playing the beginning um, uh, like of, of what happened when the discharge happened. So all those guys that were in black here, those were... Uh, New Black Panther Party. New Black Panther Party. So when there's a discharge, there's a guy here in a green T-shirt um, trying to wrest the gun away from uh, the, the guy that got arrested. So you're saying that's you? That's me. Okay. All right. Um... And then obviously there was a there was a uh, I know that when I was looking at all this stuff there was another guy in like a blue shirt that was walking around. Uh, I didn't know who he was because he was walking he around was, all super he was, cool. He was one of Lafayette's homeless. Okay, so that guy is truly just a homeless guy walking around like that. Yeah, he's walking around, and for the most part of the day, he looked like he was kind of like half loaded. Uh, he'd been there. We got there around eleven o'clock in the morning. The okay. sh- discharge took place. Uh, probably almost four o'clock or a little after. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he'd been there the whole time going through trash cans, picking up cigarette butts. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you're the guy who I thought was a police officer, but you were not, you were just there. And did the guys that you were with catch all of this on, on camera? Actually, they were looking at everything else that was going on with the other group. They okay. came in, as I was saying, the, they came in first, unarmed, and uh, tried to uh, change the narrative and just come in trying to stir trouble. Okay, so the guys, and who were those guys associated with? I know you sent me a video I did Louisi- look at it. That was the Louisiana Cajun Militia. Okay, so Louisiana Cajun Militia, they came in unarmed. They were trying to, like, get these guys to react or something? Yes, okay. to get, get them... Uh, revved up and uh all mad and all that and uh mm-hmm. well they left they the new black panther party they they gave them five ten minutes and then they turned their backs on them and went on about their protest okay. back to what they were doing they left but later on mm-hmm. they came back and when they came back they was fully kitted out that was also one of the other videos i sent you okay it came back and was kitted kitted out okay. uh so yeah let me try i'll see if i could pull that up here while we're talking about this so they came back, they had guns and stuff like that. They were still trying to get these guys and they were walking through everything that was going on there. And you're saying that the guy who had the negligent discharge was what? Was aiming at those guys? What what happened? He was moving in to shoot those guys in my in my from my law enforcement background mm-hmm. and seeing and all that from working as a corrections officer. Okay. Uh and training with the tactical unit, yes, he was moving in. He was moving in a low forward uh, offensive maneuver mm-hmm. and a cross maneuver moving forward. Had his, a- his AR pistol in his right hand. Mm-hmm. Pulled a charger handle back. You don't charge your weapon going in at somebody unless you get ready to use it. Okay. He charged he released, but he had his finger on the trigger guard. When he released it, bolt carrier slammed forward with enough inertia, jerked his hand and caused his first the first shot. Okay. 
So why was he, if, if those guys came through there before, and Rob, feel free to jump in here, right? Because I'm just trying to figure out the scenario. If these guys were coming through trying to agitate, um, you know, the people at, at this NFAC gathering, they came through unarmed, they came through again, they were armed this time. Why did this guy feel like he had to respond? And you're saying he was not part of NFAC? You're saying, was he going to get, was he going to get, uh, was he going to become part of NFAC later? What's this? Okay. He was, was he with the Nation of Islam guys? Um, as far as I know, he was not. He okay. was uh, he's, he part of the New Black Panther Party. New Black Panther Party, excuse me. Okay, so yeah. those guys were New Black Panther Party. Yes. So he was he was part of them. Yes, he was okay. there with them. Okay, so he was with those guys. He was New Black Panther Party, and he was going to become NFAC. Why did he at feel he had to take some kind of action against these guys trying to instigate them? I that I can't uh, I can't talk on the free mind as far as that goes because mm -hmm. I don't know what was going through his mind why he felt he would need to take action mm -hmm. but everything that I saw him moving because yes the other guys came in there uh, LCM came in they were kitted out uh, but all the weapons were slung nothing was held in a mm -hmm. aggressive manner mm -hmm. uh, so they so, were just trying to get these guys started yeah, like maybe start. to get these guys to react to them or something like mm -hmm. that yeah, but they weren't. No one there was reacting to them except this guy. So they were. So if anyone looks at this video, there were like two shots. Can you explain that to us? Well, the, the first shot, the first shot went off. Like I said, it, when he came through, we saw the LCM guys come through. We were oh by the parking garage entrance to the park. We saw them come through. I said, hey, let's get a clo get closer, look, see what's going on with them. And as we were walking up. This guy came through, and it, he probably got maybe five, six feet off to my right, 45, and uh, he dropped down into a low forward movement and got pretty much right in front of me, maybe 10, foot, 10 feet at the furthest, mm -hmm. and charged his weapon and fired that round. When he fired his round into the ground, he stood up. Mm -hmm. He stood up and was—he was in shock. Oh, okay. He and didn't he realize. Like, yeah, he didn't realize what he did because he had his finger yeah. on the trigger. Okay. Yeah. He was. His focus was on LCM. Mm -hmm. So when he fired his weapon, he was in complete shock. Mm -hmm. Well, his gun was pointed right at the stomach of the gentleman who thought he was shot. Mm -hmm. I moved forward, hand to the back of his neck, slapping his rifle down and away from the. The gentleman, the second round fired. Mm -hmm. It was um, 2.8 seconds in between between the two shots. Okay. I moved, maneuvered around behind him, repositioned to another safe position. He looked, He's like, what just happened? I went, you fired two rounds, down, 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 down. And he went down to the ground and fully complied. Uh, once I got him down on the ground, uh, looked at and his weapon out in front of him and looked over it, looked into it, his weapon actually jammed. So if he had a binary trigger or anything else like that, they possibly, if it wouldn't have jammed, it could have been multiple, more than two rounds fired. Okay. But we got very lucky on that. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of weapon did he have? Do you, um, uh, do you recall that? A, it was an AR style pistol, mm -hmm. but I don't know what caliber it was. I didn't, okay. I, my focus was on him. And then I went, uh, once law enforcement came in, I turned custody of him over to law enforcement. I went to assist the guy that 
thought he was shot because I had my IFAC on me mm. with my chest seals, Israeli bandages, tourniquets, all that stuff to administer aid to him. But luckily, he wasn't hit. It was just the concussion of the gun against his body, the shockwave of it, that made him think he was shot. Okay. Yeah. So how how long did it take the cops to get there? It didn't look like it was that long to me. Uh, from the time I got him down to, you didn't see when they first arrived on it, probably four seconds. The closest officers from us when that went, when the first round was fired was probably 250 to 300 yards. Okay. Okay. So they were staying like well out from everything happening. They were well on the outsides of it. They were letting everybody handle everything on the inside because mm-hmm. the new Black Panther Party I've found out have held several uh, protests there and different events mm-hmm. and there's never been any problems. Yeah, so I've got Rodney Brady, who's who's someone who's always here on the podcast with us. Um, he says that there's a beef between New Black Panther Party and NFAC. He says it's on other shows and stuff like that if we check into it. Um, did it seem like that? Because it seems like uh, NFAC was okay with the New Black Panther Party being at their event. When I was there, uh, they were fine with it. The only thing I found with the NFAC, the New Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. they were they were great. They uh. We don't, mind, we don't mind your dog coming in there, yeah. man. We, I'm sure he's checking out the situation. My, my penny girl there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Come on. But uh, <laughs> It's like, pay attention uh, to me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the new Black Panther Party, they had some good speakers. They, uh, they had some speakers I didn't agree with, some that I did. They had good points, They and they had good points that I thought were like, okay, you're just showing one side of it. You're not giving the full story. Mm-hmm. But... They accepted everybody, okay, mm-hmm. white, black. They didn't discriminate against anybody. Mm-hmm. And freaking uh, NFAC came in, everything changed. Okay. Uh, from my own personal point of view, I'm an independent. I so I'm not Democrat or Republican. Okay. Uh, my oldest, my oldest two sons, they're. Their godmother's black. I used to live in a black fam- with a black family when I was in, in high school. I've got, so people are going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but I also met David Duke. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of them that were uh, Klan's members back in the early 90s mm-hmm. when he was running for governor in Louisiana. I do not see any difference between David Duke and the Klan's members from the way they presented themselves to me in the early 90s as the NFAC people presented themselves to me in Lafayette. Okay. What do you, I, what do you mean by that? You feel like they're just as prejudiced or? Yes, they're okay. both same monster, different sides, same beast, different sides of the coin. Okay. okay. But both, both of them are extremely racial driven. Okay. Uh, if you're not white, you're not right. If you're not black, you're not right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that. Let me uh, let me check in here with Rob. Rob, what are you thinking about this so far? I mean, I thought this would be a good mix for you being on. Let's see. What do you, what, what, what did you show up there, Rob? Sorry. Do that again. Your audio's off. Uh, sorry. So, I was... Uh, I'm listening to you guys, of course, but I'm, I'm actually watching the video. Like, I don't know if you can see my yeah. screen, but that's, yeah, that's that me. seems to be Patrick right there. And, yeah. And... You know, first of all, like awesome, uh, everything. You know, if I didn't know that you were a corrections guy, like now, kind of, it kind of makes more sense to me, like where what I'm seeing here. But the way that you 
handled the gun and handled the dude without escalating the situation, like, like good job to you. Like, first of all, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to watch this video and somebody's going to say, Hey, what do you think about that guy? Like, shouldn't he have like chokeholded him and like judo flipped him? And like, like no. no, it was very like, professional. That's why I thought he was yeah. a police officer or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, body language. I attribute, I attribute my, that to my training I got with Raven corrections. Um, they had some excellent instructors. Uh, I was a knucklehead of a student, but I had a big old chip on my shoulder. But, uh, yeah, they taught me, and I listened whether they realized it or not. Well, it kicked in there one way or the other. Like, like just the clear, um, you know, you were not going – that what you were doing was not going to escalate that dude, yeah. right? And I'm sure you could have – you know, I'm assuming you could have, like, turned it up a notch if he'd have been resisting. But his – especially if you look at him, like, one of the things I look at is, you know, the relationship between the shoulders and the hips, you know, if you if you see someone is, is forward and they're crouched, their legs are bent a little bit and their hips closed, that is an aggressive fighting posture. It's a it's also a fear posture and a startle posture. Very quickly in that particular video, by the time you move him out, he goes from a forward kind of controlling the, the weapon. You've moved the weapon or off to his side. His other hand is up and he is he is upright, you know, yeah. so. My guess is that, you know, just looking at what I'm seeing and hearing what you told the story that I don't know what was happening. I don't know what would have happened. But the fact that there was a negligent discharge, it disrupted his plan, whether his plan was just standing around looking cool or his plan was he was about to kill somebody that disrupted his plan. And then your control without aggression. Right. Because what I see is you were assertive, but you were not aggressive. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I was talking about like use of force, that's not an that's not an abuse of power by stretch. Right. You came in, controlled it. And, and I'm assuming like when you said even down, 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 and you know what you were saying, what you were doing, he just complied. Yeah. And what I have found in, in situations in, in observation and in, in my own personal experience is that how the person coming in to that situation acts and how they handle their, their verbal and their body language and their contact if it's controlling and clear and firm and assertive without being emotionally triggering, that's what you get is yeah. you get compliance when someone isn't, isn't, you know, intending to, to aggress. So that, so I don't know what he was doing beforehand, but clearly, you know, you controlled that situation in a way. By the time you get that gun out of his hand, his hands are both up. I really love the fact that your hands were up and that you're clearly like, you've got an arm on him and you're, you're looking for that, that, response because you know there's 250 300 armed people some of which are cops some of which are angry some of which are scared who knows some are clueless you got all these people around you and and again like one of the things we stress is when you're in that situation whether you have to control a threat or you bring your gun out and put a threat down immediately your next job becomes not having other people think you're the threat yeah. right and so you you know i just like 100 percent. like I, a lot of times i look at it and hank will tell you you can go out there I'm, I'm the monday morning quarterback guy i think that's how we learn that's how we teach i can't really from that video i can't criticize i can't even find like oh but you should have done this like that was good that was good work yeah i think i think uh, i agree with rob and and also i think it it, it, it kind of looks like he didn't intend to do that so even if he was going into an aggressive posture because those guys were coming in maybe he was just you know like you see in the movies or something trying to charge that thing and didn't realize he had his hand because it looked like he realized like he was like oh crap you know i did something bad there uh go ahead patrick yeah, like i say yeah i think that was it i think he was moving in mm-hmm. 
way he was moving, because when they came out the first time, he was one of the first ones in the front, and he presented himself extremely aggressive toward the those guys to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't see him in the videos, the, the little videos I've seen of it. But he was crouched low right up in front of him with it, and he's, like, bouncing when they were there earlier unarmed. Mm. Like, he was just itching, waiting for them to do something. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that attributes to my mind why I feel like he was he was moving in ready to do something now that these guys are coming back armed. Yeah. It was already in his mind. Yeah. But when he fired, mm-hmm. had his negligent discharge, it completely wiped everything out. He was like, uh-oh, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And just... Yeah. Yeah. He might have been, like, really uh, nervous or something like that. But then when he did that, uh, the adrenaline or whatever it was, you know, just became a completely different chemical in his body. I'm going to – you did say that you ran in some – that you sent me some footage and I found it. I just want to run this in. This is from the other guys that were there kind of like, I guess, counter-protesting. I'm not really sure why you would want to go into a situation like this and, and, and get people riled up. But I'll just run this in here for a second. Um, so here, if we're looking at it um, in this video, this is them coming in there armed, I believe. And this is from someone's live video. I see they're stopped yeah. here. Some, like It looks like a, a young woman is stopping them, and they're talking to her. And then I think as you look at this video, they decide to go around her. Um, and, th- and you're saying this is the second time. Yeah, so they decide to go around her and uh, walk through this area. Um, what, what do you think about all that? What's your, what's your take on these guys doing that? They're idiots. Okay. One, they, they, they're known for going in and trying to instigate. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their leader, Sauce, Mike McComas, um, he's a loose cannon. Um, and tactically, not there. I'll, I'll put it this way. They went in fully kitted out. You see their rifles, right? Mm-hmm. On the fight out, not one of them had one round in a mag. Okay. So they were just, so this is they almost. They were going to stir trouble stir to get a reaction yeah. okay. to cause, because we did have probably 150, 200 militia mm-hmm. members out around Lafayette mm-hmm. within a five block radius of it, but all of us staying out. Because we're there, only there, in case things get out, get out of hand mm-hmm. with Lafayette police. Yeah, and you, so you guys weren't, you didn't want to interrupt whatever rally, protest, or whatever these guys had going on. But it seems like these guys are in there trying to instigate, maybe hope something happens. Rob, what do you think about these kinds of scenarios where... <laughs> You know, it's already a little bit on edge. People are worried about it, and then other people decide, you know what, I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna throw another wild card into the situation. Yeah, it's just, it's just incredibly foolish. Um, it is, I, I, and I honestly believe most of these people are just very naive and immature. Um, they may be being led, you know, by other people to think this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, like what Patrick's describing, if if you really, if you're that guy. Right. If you believe you are the guy that needs to put on the plate carrier and have the AR and designate yourself as the QRF, you know, the, the quick response force to protect your town or that that mm-hmm. park or, you know, the Starbucks or whatever it is you're you're thinking you're going to protect an American way of life. Then you go sit in a van or you go sit at your buddy's house or you go sit you know, in a warehouse or you rent a hotel room and you stand by. 
when you insert yourself publicly as a spectacle into the situation, particularly with the intention or with the actions of agitating some other group, you're part of the problem. You are not part of the solution. You know, and if you want to tell, well, no, these people are, you know, they're running our streets and they shouldn't be allowed to run free in our streets. I'm not saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the way we do that isn't by causing a bloodbath in the middle of the streets. And I don't know what else your end game is. If you're wearing that gear and, and game, like, I don't know what you think's going to happen. Like, you think they're going to be like, oh, we didn't know the army was showing up. We'll go home. Like, that's not how that works, you know? So, um, and, and I've said to people, like, if you want to go, I don't, I don't believe in op- confrontational open carry. I don't believe you carry a gun with the intention of then going and causing a confrontation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's smart. I don't think it's good for us. I think it's good for America. I think it's good for yeah, you. If you need to do it, guy, do like, it. But why, do you, why are you trying to push anyone's buttons? Real, like, to me, real bad boys move in silence and violence. That's it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, if you, if you want to go assert your political ideas and you want to go protest and you want to go rally and you want to go show up and you want to confront the people that you don't like what they're doing – cool, mm-hmm. show up, right? Yeah. But like, like I can walk in there right now and be like, hey, you guys shouldn't do that. But if this is concealed, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, I really don't agree with you guys. You know, I'm all about like free, peaceful guns, like guns for everybody, guns are here to defend. You know, you guys seem a little threatening. I'm not sure what's going on. Like, why don't we open up the streets and, and like have a dialogue? That'd be cool. And somebody pulls up a gun. Well, now I can defend myself, but I'm not saying you're like, oh, I'll pull my gun out if you don't get out of my way. You know, it's like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Also, also, Rob, uh, just in case uh, you probably you probably forgot. You know, oh yeah, we're yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't handle it. I didn't handle it. <laughs> no, you did it. No, you did it. <laughs> See, I also know Michael McComas and the LCM guys were their former guys personally. Mm-hmm. He was the first. They were the first uh, militia unit I was ever a member of. He's also the reason why I'm not part of any militia unit right now. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with. I want to make sure I vet everybody specifically hard. Uh, mm-hmm. He's uh, he expects his people to follow blindly. Mm-hmm. Any questions you ask, he's got. He is the God, the Creator, the everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's he's. I'm I'm putting that out there. So if anybody watching that's in Louisiana and they're thinking about joining LCM, you might want to think twice about it because he, he's the kind of guy that will get you killed. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> side you're on, I think you need to be careful when you're associating yourself with these groups. And I'm not against that. Like, but most the the, the better groups here are not seeking publicity. If we're talking about militia, and 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 so here's one of the things I'm going to give you a chance to do it, Patrick. But let's start let's start with Rob here. Rob, what's your thoughts on militias? What should a militia be? What should they look like? What should someone who's interested in being part of that uh, look for? Or are you completely against that? I don't know. No, I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I have no problem with the concept, right? Like, you know, the, the idea that you got a group of people in your community and you, you train together, you coordinate, you've got, like, I, I ask, like, oh, you're in a militia. Okay, that's cool. Like, what's the communication plan? Like, like what's, how do you guys like get together. And if they don't have like a whole bunch of really good answers for the plan of how they communicate to do something when something needs to get done and then how do they communicate during that event? I'm not, I'm like immediately kind of, they get a little bit of a, you know, that's, that's cool. Like, and move on because as any military unit, like if you can't, if you don't have a, a really good solid communication and coordination plan, you got nothing. 
because what you got is a whole bunch of individuals standing around when stuff happens. And like even in that video, when you look at that video, you don't see in, in a whole bunch of like when that shot goes off, you don't see a bunch of tight 360s. You don't see a bunch of wedges. You don't see a bunch of people like move into a. No, a, I see everyone getting out of the way. Yeah, everyone so, getting so, out of dodge. You know. The only person who reacted, which that's why I thought it was a police officer, is Patrick. The only person who did the right thing, who reacted to that, was you. All of those other uh, badasses in there were trying to, you know, were ducking down, getting low, moving out of the way. Right, <laughs> right. badasses. Sauce outran all of them. Coming from one of the, from one of the, one of our guys, a couple of our guys that were in the. Uh, in our uh, fast rescue uh, vehicles and and uh, roving security, uh, he outran everybody there. That's Who's how I that? know he. Who was that? Salt, Michael McComas, the leader of LCM. Oh. He outran even the people that were on the other side of him to get through them. That were. <laughs> and he hates my guts, coincidentally. So he was really surprised and freaked out when he found out I was the one who'd stopped the guy. Stop the shooter. Mm-hmm. He was like really surprised on that one. Well, what you know what? Here's something I've learned, right? All, all human beings are not the same. We should be treated the same. Yes. We should be the same under in, in the eyes of the law. We're not all the same. And the way that we all react to stress and emergency situations and things like this, it's all different. I mean, we've seen it. I remember I used to be, you know, I was never in law enforcement or the military or anything like that. Um, a long time ago, I worked at a hospital in New York City, and I was kind of like the doorman, and my boss there was, was supposed to have been a police officer. And when problems happened out there, he would literally come and hide behind things and tell me what to do. Literally. <laughs> he would hide behind stuff like, can you talk to this person and tell them? And I was like, dude, <laughs> what's going on? You, you were the guy that was a cop and all that kind of stuff. So you see when stress, when, when stress happens, when a stressful situation happens, everyone gets separated. I'm not saying if you don't react good to that, I'm not saying that makes you a bad human being. We're just not all the same when it comes to that. Yeah, I just think it's funny with Sauce doing that, though. He's supposed to be this Army Ranger freaking badass. And he tuck tail and hauled ass. Yeah. There, there was a guy, um, if you guys remember when that um, Denver sniper incident happened, the guy they, they blew up with a robot. Yeah. Uh, where he was, he attacked the police at that parade. Like my, that, there was a guy in that like demonstration, right? Mm-hmm. Open carry guy. And this was not a big group of open carry guys, like an individual guy. I'm sure there was more than one, but this guy was on his own walking around with an AR. And like the minute the shots went out, like he apparently like hands up, ran over to the nearest cop. Like, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. And I'm like, like, if that's your quick, if that's your plan, <laughs> like if that's your counter, why are you carrying the gun? Yeah. Like, it just makes it that much more obvious that you're not carrying the gun as a tool for defense of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if the minute the shots ring out, your first response is to make sure the cops know it wasn't you. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I, I'm sorry, man. Like maybe you had the best of intentions. And at that moment, the reality of what you were, you were taking on just dawned on you. And you're like, no, I don't yeah. want that. That's I'm like a dog that. who sees that's a okay. Yeah. yeah but well, let's talk about that now. Yeah. And let's in the comment section and in our conversations in the community, let's have that educational conversation. We're like, yeah, don't, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Like, you don't, you think anybody's like, you think Kyle Rittenhouse is super excited about his life right now and his life choices. Right. Like, I, I'm not saying that he didn't need to shoot to defend himself. I'm saying the choices that led up to that moment 
you know, I always talk about rooftop Koreans, right? Like we, we, we have that reference, right? Of the guys that were up on top of the roofs on those strip malls, like ready to defend themselves and their property and, and their people and their investments and their, their businesses. Mm-hmm. Like nobody points at them. And so those guys were idiots. They escalated, they confronted, they put themselves in harm's way. Like they were on the rooftop with their guns ready to defend if mm-hmm. needed. And that, that to me is a really good example of how you are prepared and you let anybody know like we are prepared. Mm-hmm. But when you're the McCloskeys standing out on your porch, like waving guns at each other and everybody else, putting yourself in greater harm and potentially escalating, you're not And you're, you're not even capable of backing up that, uh, that yeah. threat that you're, you're putting out there. I mean, a lot of times it comes down to the analogy. If you're into dogs, like I'm, I'm into dogs, it's like when a dog who thinks it's a badass comes across a real alpha, what does it do? It just goes mm-hmm. on its back, right? Gives up the, <laughs> gives up the butt or whatever. Whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, laws of the jungle or something. You know, that's when that that's when you really see what's going on. I think, and and I think everyone needs to think about that kind of stuff, right? I don't think the roof Korean guys were trying to be heroes. These are guys no, who came to America. They were trying to, you know, they know what it is. They know what they're going to lose, and they and they are like, I we don't want to lose this kind of a thing. Right. There's the folks who are going out there deliberately. And I think this goes to every everyone. And I think it's the interesting point that uh, Patrick is making to us. The NFAT guys seem to me to be a big show. It doesn't seem to me like they're genuinely um, trying to help black folks out there uh, defend themselves or anything like that. They're putting on a big show. It's all about that big show. Um, so some some other militias are trying to do the same thing. Some other people in our society are trying to do the same thing or trying to incite other people to get all up and crazy. If you really understand what this is, you don't you don't want to go to that level. No, you know, you, you, you don't want to see it. One of the things I was going to talk about today was like what's going on in Nigeria, right, where I lived. And I keep trying to tell people you don't want to actually see chaos I remember living there as a kid and I saw chaos. I lived there during the times when Nigeria had like a military government running everything. You don't you you don't you don't want those circumstances. You don't want to live under that. If you if you could avoid that, that's the better thing cuz once we all go there, there's no guarantee of what's happening and who's going to survive that and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, I don't, I don't want to rant about it too much, but it seems like there's lots of people now just trying to, they're praying or pulling or pushing us going into like a civil war, uh, uh, stance or type of situation where we're just out there just firing shots at each other for no reason. No, we're not trying to set up that all the people that I know of, all the true, uh, three percenters, uh, we're defensive. Mm-hmm. We're not offensive. Mm-hmm. And the groups that want to go offensive, they're going off the reservation. Like you ask the question, what is uh what what, what do you see as a as a militia? Mm-hmm. For me, militia is basically the little brothers of the uh the National Guard, the little brothers and sisters. We're there to do give uh in times of uh civil unrest, natural disasters, uh do search and rescue. Uh, help rebuild homes, feed homeless, uh, do whatever we need to. We're, uh, but we fall under the Dick Act. The same with the National Guard. Mm-hmm. We are the 
You have National Guard is your organized militia. Your militia units throughout the state are the unorganized militia. Yeah, you're going to have to explain the DICK Act a little bit for some people whose minds may not completely understand that, like maybe mine. What, what, right. is, the, what is the DICK Act? The DICK Act is uh, when they uh, actually separated... Uh, is it D-Y-K or... Like you know? D-I-C-K. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dick act. Rob, uh, Rob is like, big, seriously, well, Hank, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> is uh, this a real thing? Because <laughs> now I'm yeah, going to Google it. Thing. It's a real, this is a real thing. I'm actually talking to somebody in the National Guard right now and I, and I in a comment and, and somewhere else I was like, oh yeah, we're just talking about this right now. Okay, it's a, okay, it's the, okay, yeah, Militia Act of 1903. I'll try to pull it up on Wikipedia. I'm yeah. not trying to be funny, guys. Everyone's well, like, seriously, it's just embarrassing. The unorganized and unorganized. Organized and unorganized militia, because the militia itself isn't supposed to be federalized. It isn't supposed to be run by the government. Okay. Primarily, all right. Okay. So it's to be have a standby fighting force ready to defend against insurrection or anything else mm -hmm. to help. Mm -hmm. But in modern day times, and coincidentally, if you read it, we're actually supposed to have all the same weaponry and training. As a National Guard. Yeah, let me read it real quick. The Militia Act of 1903, uh, also known as the Efficiency in Militia Act of 1903 or the Dick Act, uh, was legislation enacted by the United States Congress to create an early National Guard and which uh, codified the circumstances under which the National Guard could be federalized. It also provided federal funds to pay for equipment and training, including annual summer encampments. Uh, the new National Guard was to organize units of similar form and quality to those of a regular army and intended to achieve the same training, education, and readiness requirements uh, as active duty units. And then it goes on, and if you guys want to look it up. If you read further into it, actually read the Dick Act itself mm -hmm. instead of the, the summary of it. Right. It actually goes through and tells you the, the National Guard, which is to be known as the organized militia, mm -hmm. and the citizens that are voluntarily unpaid, mm -hmm. they uh, are the unorganized militia. Okay. And they both fall under the underneath the Dick Act. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. so that's just the whole thing. Any, I don't want to associate myself and be part of any organization that says, I'm at, we're at war with the government. No, because as a militia, if you are a militia, you are governed actually by Congress. Congress calls forth the militia, not the president, not the governors. The governors does, see that's the difference between the organized militia and the unorganized militia. Governor does the uh, National Guard. Mm -hmm. He has full control on that. But the unorganized militia is actually governed by Congress, okay. your state representatives. They're the ones you would actually uh, deal with. Okay, interesting, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, Rob, that you knew all of this. Uh... Well, so the uh, – yes, so the, here's the deal. Like the National Guard – remember when there was a time uh, that having people involved in the military world know that there was a time when a lot of the combat arms branches, right, the actual war fighters were moved into the National Guard as opposed to active duty. And, and that meant a lot of the equipment, um, a lot of the war fighting equipment and a lot of the war fighting personnel – got put, uh, made, made it cheaper for the federal government. And a lot of that got put onto the tab of the National Guard and it changed the way a lot of money flowed. And now I think it's Title 10. There's a, 
there's a federalizing of the troops. And there was a big thing that came up with this during the coronavirus because there's like this day where once the troops are federalized, like to go out and do uh, coronavirus testing like they were doing in the spring and the early summer. Mm-hmm. And if this happens with like something else in the future, there's a, t- a time period, I think it's like 90 days where then the benefits change. And mm-hmm. so what they do is they'll call you up and then they send you home like the day before the benefits and, and all that stuff get affected. So there's a lot of controversy inside of the military over how this all works. And then that's just like the National Guard versus the you know active duty components. And then you've got the whole, well, what about the militia and where is the militia? And so a lot of people think of the National Guard as the militia. And that's really not an accurate way to look at it in, in the terms, the way we use the terms today. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is this other element of an acknowledged element in our documents, in our codification of our laws of this unorganized militia. Now, here's the dangerous part. Right. If we if we as the gun community start talking a lot about the unorganized militia, all of a sudden what happens then like, you know, Mike Bloomberg says, aha, look, they are admitting that the Second Amendment was written about this group, mm-hmm. not this other thing. So that's where we get back to who is the militia. It's not the guys that all buy matching T-shirts and, and show up at the rally and say we are the militia. It is literally everyone. And then if you happen to choose to associate, I see Patrick agreeing, like you might choose to form a little group and a little cell or a little you know club or whatever. But really, it is me and it is you, even though we're not part of this group that Patrick's hanging out with. We don't declare our we don't have to declare. Mm-hmm. OK, it looks like Rob, thinking you know, okay, passionate, yeah. patriotic citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so but by being able bodied, passionate, patriotic citizens, we become part of this this militia without needing to be organized. And that's really the important nuance there. Right. And you're like, I'm, I graduated from a military college that was the first private military college in the country. The reason it was founded was because the second commandant at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point got into a fight with Congress over mandatory military service after the military education. Mm-hmm. And Congress said, no, no, we own those. We want we want them serving our government. And he's like, that's not the way this is supposed to work, this whole citizen soldier thing. So he went off and started his own thing, you know, 200 years ago. And that, yeah. that's so so that we were the birthplace of ROTC and all that other stuff. So I, I am I am very familiar with this all conceptually. I can't quote the, the, the acts and things like that. But. It is incredibly important to understand that that when you start talking about militias, it can be a slippery slope into the aha. It's the Second Amendment isn't an individual right, and that's where we need to be careful. Yeah, go you ahead, go, Patrick. Going to the quote though, who is the who is the militia? Mm-hmm. Every if you modernize the uh, the documents to today's standards, it would be every male and female that is eighteen to forty five years old. Okay. With a few exceptions for religion, medical, or government positions. Okay. All right. What do you think about it's that, Rob? That's what it says. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. So we need to we need to be careful about um, I don't know demonizing right guys that want to be in the militias, mm-hmm. and, and we need to be or say I'm in a militia or whatever. We need to be careful about putting them up on some kind of special pedestal. Right. Or letting them claim special status because, you know, and that's that's one of the things that gets to be that gray area. Right. If we have people in our community like, well, I'm 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 out here. What are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. like, like you said, I'm not I'm I'm silent, prepared to be violent kind of thing. Like, right. Like, I'm just I'm good. Like, I don't need to be part of your club. I don't need to have the hat. I don't need to be on that list. But I'm, I'm ready if something really happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, 
some guys walking the street in downtown Denver isn't, I don't need to like kid up and go to downtown Denver to deal with the guys walking the street. Like Capitol police can handle that. And if they aren't handling it, like it's not the end of our universe, right? That they're out unless there. Unless you're now, seeking some, attention, unless you're seeking right. attention in our or, modern uh, world. Or unless they're in your neighborhood. If they're in your neighborhood, they're your, mm-hmm. you, yours, yours and mine, and they're coming and they're marching down my street and they're burning and attacking and doing, that's when you have the time for you to stand up and fight. Mm-hmm. You and don't have the difference to, right. to go, like, I went to Lafayette. I, like it's, like you said, every male male and female, 18 and 45. So I am militia. I am the militia. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that covers my state. Mm-hmm. But I did not go in looking to cause problems. And neither did any of the people that, that I associated with or any of the militia units that went out there. They didn't go out there looking to stir any trouble. They stayed on the outskirts. That's what a true militia does. And the ones that do go in for something like, Kyle Rittenhauser and all them, they were actually providing security for a business, and he was actually helping and giving medical aid to protesters. Mm-hmm. They were helping both sides, yeah. taking a neutral stance. Mm-hmm. As in my belief in, as a militia, you're not left or right. You are the Constitution, this, and you're governed by the Military Code of Justice, and that's it. You, there is no left, right. It is It is. Or it isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Step up that. Yeah, you're off reservation. Right. I, I think it's it. You know, it's interesting. When I saw that, I told you when uh, I didn't realize that you had lived in Nigeria, and I did see that while scrolling around something today. It was on the television this morning. I saw that headline: yeah. police shoot protesters in Nigeria. And what flashed through my mind? I almost made a post, but I'm like, I don't need. I'm, I'm busy. I got a lot. We're eventually going to talk about what's going on this weekend. Yeah. Like I've got. I'm, I'm having a busy week. I don't need the extra static in the comment section. But at some point, I was like. That's almost like a screenshot post, like how many people like in America have said things over the last four months that kind of like sound like they're wishing for that. Like they want like people in North Africa to be looking at the news saying police shoot protesters in, you know, Seattle. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. so, so you, we got to be careful like that. That's some third world stuff. Like that's not what's supposed to be happening here. Mm-hmm. And yet. I do think there's some people who who have sort of like been calling for that, like, well, they, you know, they deserve what they get. Well, um, see, you had lived in Nigeria. I worked in Nigeria for a year, and my experience there for anybody who, it's hard to describe some of the things that I saw. The easiest way, the year that I was there was during a, they had some elections going on, and that was part of the reason our, our shore base got attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch, uh, if it's an older movie. Hotel Rolanda, if you haven't seen it. That's some of the stuff I saw while I was there. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And so it's kind of funny that they're showing, now they're talking about police attacking protesters when this is stuff that I've seen them do there and there was never a headline before. Uh, Government officials going in and wiping out communities because they said they were going to vote against them. Yeah. I mean, the the weird thing, so here's a weird thing about, I think a couple of months ago, there was uh, when we had a lot of Black Lives Matter protests and things like that going on here. There were marches like that in Nigeria where people were like, yeah, yeah, Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff, and they and they were talking about America. And I and I thought, okay, this is interesting. And I'm constantly trying to tell people when you know you we somehow need to change our perspective on things 
and be able to turn things around, right? You can, you can think whatever you want to think, but you want to be able to turn things around. And there's places on the face of this planet, me as a black guy, I know there's places on the face of this planet run by black people. So specifically Nigeria, where I lived as a kid in the 80s, you know, um, I lived in Nigeria from 1980 to 1983. Um, and so you guys could go look up whatever was going on in Nigeria at that time. That's an African nation run by Africans, right? And it's gone through a lot of different phases. So everything that's going on there, I don't think someone could turn around and say this is uh, systemic racism going on in Nigeria, Nigeria is a place with Nigerians. Nigerians run it. There are obviously people from other countries there. Uh, I know China has, has tried to make a big foothold in Nigeria of late or anywhere in the world, including Africa, the, the, you know, the Caribbean, South America, and all that where there's resources. At the end of the day, Nigerians run that place. And I lived there. So, for example, I remember, uh, and this was a kind of thing that went back and forward. There was a time when in Ghana, which is, is, is pretty close to Nigeria, right? There was a time when uh, Ghanaian said, all Nigerians have to get out. You got 48 hours to get out of here. We're kicking your asses if you're not here. Then there was a time when I lived in Nigeria where they said, there's 48 hours for you all to get out. And I remember my dad's student being Ghanaian, and I remember him hiding out people in our house because they like in, when that 48 hours expired, they were on the streets looking for Ghanaians. And this yeah. is, I, I just want you guys to understand how... How crazy this is what I'm telling you. Nigerians and Ghanaians don't look drastically different from each other. Do you see what I'm saying? These aren't people who are like, um, you know, who are, or who are drastically looking different people from each other. They're pretty much the same thing. And at one point they're like, if we catch you, we're going to kill you. All kinds of things happen. This is the kind of country that we're living in, including up to recent events where the police... You know, the people are unhappy. They're not happy with what's going on. They want to make changes. And the police are like, yeah, we're going to open fire on you. And it's kicked off something. It's, we, you've had the, the, uh, the military take over Nigeria at certain points of history. So at any point, it could become a military police state and all this kind of stuff. You don't, you don't want that in America. No, you don't. You know, in a place that looks beautiful, has a lot of money... <laughs> You know, sometimes you can't tell the difference of where it is. It's it's really crazy. So, um, you know, I'm going to avoid going on a thing about it. I think it, it's something that's probably like maybe a little bit close for me. But I think that Americans don't realize how easily we can be there. And as bad as we look, listen to the complicated stuff we're talking about. You know, the, the, the way the Constitution and, and all these documents have been laid out in America, I'm always amazed listening to you guys talk about this and looking at the complexity and like looking up that dick act thing going, okay that's actually a thing you know and realizing like wow america is a complicated place there, there there were people who founded this country and who put things together that even though they weren't perfect and they didn't do everything right they really thought about this freedom thing you know and and we're just so we're just so quick and so happy to just want to quickly flush that, I think, down the drain. So uh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop ranting right now. I'm going to stop ranting. It's like I told my boss the other day uh, when I had to go do my uh, deposition mm -hmm. for the Lafayette Sheriff's Office over there had been at the protest. Mm -hmm. uh, he came out, you know, because the officer came to my work mm -hmm. where I for the interview. 
And uh, he was like, I didn't know all this was going on or this and that. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, and he's telling me this and all kind of other stuff. I was like, look, there's some of us that are kind of think of it like the movies. We're out there fighting a war and a battle so that you and everybody you know and love, y'all can, y'all can stay in your this little world of ignorant bliss because without people like me and you, you and a, all our 2A people, all our constitutionalists, people who are about the country, want to keep the country strong and keep it growing, mm-hmm. keep it moving forward. Um, without those, without these people, we're going to become Nigeria or Venezuela or Cuba or and it can be just like that gone i mean i've worked mexico ecuador israel nigeria uh i mean i've seen things that americans don't see generally and i know people that sit back and like oh we give this up and do that just like defund the police i'm like are you crazy do you know what would happen here without any without these checks and balances do you know what oh yeah we just i just I get my gun and I'll defend myself. I say, you ain't going to defend much. When you have a group come in and just storm through your home, you might get one or two, but they're going to take your, you and yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Rob, I know, I don't, I think you got, do you, you have some, uh, you got a, how much time do you have, Rob? Uh, you're muted. <laughs> I was looking through the comments down there. Oh, okay. uh, I'm, I'm good for another 30. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. What, what do you think about all this, Rob? Um, I, I'm sure you've seen some places in America, Rob, that could easily be in the third world, but I'll let, I'll let you. Yeah. You know, it's, I've, I've seen some places in the third. I mean, let me tell you the best French toast I've ever had Mm -hmm. was in Abidjan in the Ivory coast. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I I was over there doing some work with a group, uh, during one of their elections, kind of like you were talking about Patrick, where the elections could get like ugly over there. Right. So a few years ago. In the Ivory Coast, they were getting ready for a thing, and I was over there uh, doing some instructor development and, and training for teams over there working security. And they took me into this like we we're in the middle of a like whatever you think of as a third world city that doesn't look safe or fun or friendly to guys that look like me. And we're convoying around, and we went through this. The gate opened up. We went into this like compound, for lack of a better word, but it was just another city block. And inside of that, as the gate rolled back, you know, guys with the AKs, whatever, inside. It's like transport because in the 19, you know, 60s, 50s, 60s, I think even into the 70s, Abidjan was like this French Riviera vacation spot, you know, on, on the, the, the coast on the south end of the Ivory Coast. It was like the Golden Coast, the Azure Coast, or they call it. And it was um, – so there's still this French colonial – you know, component. It kind of was like, so really like that. If you've ever seen the long cut of Apocalypse Now, where all of a sudden they're on an old French plantation, like having a fancy <laughs> meal, like it was like, what just happened? You know, I'm in like a pseudo war zone. And we went to this little cafe bistro and there was shops that were manicure. You get your hair done and whatever mm-hmm. for the expats, the European expats that were still in the city. And, and I just had this amazing, like vanilla, beautiful, caramelized French toast there. And, and yet on right outside of that, like, I didn't want to just be bebopping around, you know, and we did take in some local stuff. And do I feel like I want to be bebopping around in some places in Southern Louisiana? Nope. You know, not without not, not no, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah sure. you know, 
<laughs> not as you know in Denver and Colorado, it's kind of hard to find something like that. But there's plenty of places back east, down south, out west. You know, I didn't like want to go bebopping around Seattle when uh, the 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 chop zone, chaz zone, whatever. Like I didn't want to go you know, show up and be like, hey guys, I'm here. I just want to take some pictures. So. You know, one of those rules, right? Like the old, old, this used to be common sense and it's not anymore. And it maybe goes back to some of the stuff we talked about. If you wouldn't go there without a gun, don't go there just because you have a gun. And I think that's really, if we talk about these rallies, these, if you wouldn't go out there and assert your, your views and your, your, you know, whatever your passion is, your point of view without a gun, then maybe you shouldn't be down there just because you have a gun. Mm -hmm. And if you do need, if you feel like, no, I'm not saying don't carry a gun, obviously, right? But you can carry it concealed because if it's the gun, and the plate carrier and the Hawaiian shirt is making you feel like you are confident enough now to assert yourself. You got problems. I'm a little worried. So, so yeah, so, 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 but all this to say, I agree a hundred percent that there are, that to just kind of cast off, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the third world. I, if I said that flippantly earlier, mm-hmm. what I mean to say is when it, the way we use that term disparagingly, mm-hmm. pejoratively, right? Mm-hmm. When we say that as a negative, and then yet we, we sort of invite some of that here. That's good. Like, you know, the thing that was going on in June, right? Like people in Hong Kong, like, where are you guys doing that thing? You said you're going to do for freedom because the people in Hong Kong are getting arrested for that, you know, and, and they're looking over here. Like, we're all like, oh, no, masks and lockdowns. We're all yeah. going to stay home. Yeah. And that's when I was talking about that responsible rebellion. Responsible rebellion doesn't mean putting on a plate carrier and storming the Capitol and demanding that they revoke the mask rules. It just means go don't wear a mask mm-hmm. and be willing to face the consequences civilly as a civil disobedience act. Right. Mm-hmm. If you own a business, open your business and choose whether or not you want to make people wear a mask. Mm-hmm. That's what responsible rebellion is. It's not making an ass of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I don't I'm not I'm not wanting to change this, but I think it would be really bad of us to have you on and not talk about the Second Amendment rally. Lola just came in here and told me, seriously, you got, yeah, Rob has to get this out. So, Rob, um, uh, what is, is it this Saturday? Is that what it is. It? Okay, do yes, you want to hit, give, give us the info um, in a way so that I could probably pull that out, maybe share it uh, for the folks out there who don't know, what is the Second Amendment rally? What are the ways people can participate? What are you doing, et cetera? Yeah, so October 24th on Saturday, we have the second Second Amendment rally. Now, last year, we had a rally on the Capitol grounds in Washington, D.C. We had over 30 speakers. You know, the goal last year was really just to, to remind everybody inside the gun community to a certain extent, and certainly anybody looking at the gun community from outside, that the gun community is not a caricature. It's not a, a homogenous group. It's not monolithic. It's not one organization or one you know, speaking point, right? Like it is not just from my cold dead hands or shall not be infringed or guns for everyone. It's kind of all that, right? And what we wanted to do, and I was invited in this, this was not my idea. Like I was invited in to help organize and, and promote and recruit speakers last year by a group of guys. Who's who, organizing most, it? Who's organizing That's just it. Like okay. most of them wanted to remain anonymous and did. Okay. And like eventually, like you can't just like sit at a kitchen table and be like, let's do this, but we don't want to be talked about. We don't want anybody to know we're doing it mm-hmm. and just wait for it to happen. Like somebody needs, so it was basically last year it was me and Jeff Knox were the guys that went out and really recruited as speakers. We, we started talking about uh, this at Gun Rights Policy Conference last year, and we had already gotten the permits. We'd already said we were doing this, and it was at Gun Rights Policy Conference that we really started talking to a lot of people about speaking. And within 60 days, we held 
what I think uh, to date now Virginia has surpassed that in Richmond, but it was the largest gun rights rally that's ever taken place. Certainly it's still the largest one that's ever happened in Washington, DC, um, which was really cool. And what's really extra cool about it is no sponsors, no organizing. Okay. I'm not sure why Rob froze up. Age and the permits and you, you, you froze back. up for a second, Rob, by the way, big shout out to the real NOC that's out there. He gave us five bucks. We appreciate it. And smash the thumbs ups and back to Rob. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, the, the there was no organizing uh, entity and there was no sponsoring entity. So every person or company or organizing group, gun rights organization that put money in last year, did it under the rules of you're not going to get acknowledged. There's no banners. There's no it's all we don't want somebody to say, well, I don't like that group or I don't like that company or that company's just doing it because that'll help them sell guns to be like, nope, this was for the people, by the people, grassroots. We had some people who've been in this community for decades as gun rights advocates and some people that nobody ever heard of before. Um, and last year, the big coup was that we had the most recent past president of the Brady campaign actually got up on the stage and talked about why he's no longer involved with those people because because of this, some of the you know again you have to go back and watch the speeches from last year but he came right out and said look i, I realized that after a long time of thinking i was doing the right thing and maybe helping out the earth i wasn't and and i now i'm interested in working with people not legislating against them not working against them not being with people who will say we don't want to take your guns away and then have a board meeting saying well we got to take these guns away mm -hmm. right so it was, it was a really interesting group last year and what I, the way i describe it is thought diversity. It's not superficial diversity, right? Like, like I'm one shade, right? And Patrick's a little bit darker and then you're a little bit darker, right? And then somebody else, it's not that. And it's not even lifestyle diversity, right? It's not demographic diversity. It is thought diversity underneath the umbrella of valuing and wanting to protect our second amendment rights. And, and last year it could not have gone smoother. It was just an amazing event. And Breitbart uh, did the live stream. There's all kinds of videos out there. ARFCOM, uh, AR15.com put out a whole bunch of individual videos. The 2A Rally YouTube page has all those videos. And we were just gonna do a one and done. So there was no company, there was no bank account, there was no 501c3. Um, this logo that we came up with, um, gear websites, gun, gun, uh, G-Webs, you know, gun websites, gear websites, mm -hmm. sells these. We encourage every, uh, Mission First Tactical did some wallets, I've got one over there. Like we just encourage everybody, there's no trademark on this, there's no licensing, like we, there's no entity that makes any money. The money all gets passed through to pay for the event. Well, this year we were going to do it again uh, because there was so much demand and momentum and obviously like the permits uh, restrictions on the Capitol grounds in Washington, D.C. And I know the comments are going to light up. Oh, but I see big rallies and protests in D.C. all the time. That's in the streets or it's unpermitted uh, or it's on the Capitol, uh, Capitol Mall, the National Mall, not the Capitol grounds. And it's a different thing. And. The committee considered all the options and we decided once the permits were restricted, the best thing to do with all the variables coming up on the election was to not ask gun owners to come into D.C. and roll the dice um, without being legally able to be armed for defense and or have a quick, you know, quick response force a block away. Just it wasn't worth it. So we decided to do it virtual. So this Saturday, we're going to have the virtual rally, October 24th. We've got over 30 speakers. We've got, I think, about 40 or 50 percent of the speakers, just less than half. Uh, of the, the scheduled speakers were involved last year. And uh, two people that have 
joined the organizing committee, also very publicly, are Chris Chang and Cheryl Todd. They were both speakers last year. We've got a whole crop of new speakers that are, that are really exciting. Again, a wide range of thought diversity. We've got some unannounced content that's also going to be put out. And what we're doing in uh, Saturday over the course of three hours, what we're going to be doing on that day is a live broadcast of the pre-recorded speeches, and, and not all of it's pre-recorded, but let's say that you know 90% of the speeches being delivered have been pre-recorded. So if anybody watched um, Gun Rights Policy Conference, this year was an incredibly successful Gun Rights Policy Conference, all virtual, all recorded. We're going to be blending a live event with the pre-recorded. So we'll be interacting with the comments like we do you know, on these shows, like you do. We'll be interacting with the comments. We'll be um, having some like special guests. We'll be having some comments and thoughts. We'll be doing the introductions, giving a little background, like color commentary. Like uh, Chris talked about it like a sports, a live sports broadcast, like we're the broadcasters. Cheryl Todd said it's going to be like kind of like the Macy's parade. You know, we'll be like, oh, look yeah, at that float. That's that what was, I was thinking. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah. from that description. So it's yeah. going to be fun. You know, it's going to be cool. So, and actually the NRA meeting of the, the, the annual meeting of the members, um, has been scheduled for Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be flying down to Tucson. I'll be doing that. And then immediately after that meeting, I'll hit the live broadcast. Uh, and Cheryl Todd will be in Arizona also at a different location. Chris Chang will be in California where he lives. Um, and we'll all be, you know, like I said, passing it off, working and, and together starting, much like we are. It's starting at what time for the folks out there who want to tune in? One o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Eastern, okay. and it's going to run for about three hours. And uh, like I said, they can go to 2A Rally, um, at 2A Rally on uh, Instagram. You can go to Rally for Your 2A Rights on Facebook. You can go to secondamendmentrally.com. Is it uh, going to be website. live on Instagram? Okay. It is. It's, well, Instagram's a little goofy, right, okay. Like because of the length of time, but yeah. we'll be live streaming through Facebook, Facebook. Uh, live on our YouTube, live at secondamendmentrally.com and live through OpsLens, which is another great new distribution point. And what we want to do is uh, encourage everybody to go to the website and register your email, just kind of join here or join now, whatever it is, put your email in there and we're going to send you all those links. Um, there's going to be one announcement that comes out Friday. There'll be another announcement that comes out early on Saturday. Like here it is, one package. And the only upside Right. Because I'm not going to try to spin this. We would rather be in person in D.C. Right. The only upside, I think, of the virtual rally is that, you know, when you go to D.C. and we saw it last year, when you go to any kind of big event. Right. You go there and you're engaged and you're high fiving and you're meeting people and you're talking and you're busy and you're excited. Maybe you post a selfie. Maybe you do a short video clip, but mostly you're engaged in the moment. Right. And then what happens is you go home. You know, you and, you, you know, you got to fight traffic, go back to your hotel, get on a plane, train, drive, whatever you do, you go, you disperse. And by the time it's like all of a sudden it's Tuesday and then it's Wednesday and you're back to work and it's like old news. And a lot of that momentum, I think, gets left behind. The potential here is that like like we can right now, every single person that's watching any of these videos can hit share. Mm-hmm. Everybody on Facebook can hit watch party and invite all their followers and friends to come join them. Everybody can do a screenshot. Yeah. You know, I, I told Smash people last the thumbs night, ups like, and yeah, all that well, good that, stuff. Yeah. You know, I can pull down, right? And I can do screen capture, mm-hmm. right? So now I am screen recording us talking right now mm-hmm. and I can save that and then I can post that to my Instagram, right? And I tell you, like, we don't we don't have a company, we don't have an entity, we don't have an organization, so nobody's gonna sue you mm-hmm. for stealing the content. Like like we want people screen recording, screenshotting, sharing, like we want it redistributed. Some uh, somebody last night, I forget who Make it trend, people. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get it out there. Hashtag two way rally or two way rally 2020. Yeah. We want everyone live streaming it. Like, I don't care if we have zero people watching it at the second amendment rally.com website, mm-hmm. but we have a hundred thousand gun owners watching it on their own platforms and their own social media. And you can find a way to embed it and get traffic to your website. Do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. Um, I don't know, Patrick, did you have any questions about that? No, looking forward to possibly if I get if I don't have to work to be able to catch up on some of it. Okay, awesome. Let me get a couple of things in here. Armament and Axes gave us a couple of bucks. He says common sense isn't so common anymore. Big shout out to the real NOC that's out there. I saw him uh, NOC out there as well as locked and loaded Latinos. I saw hanging out with us in the chat. Um, definitely want to get that in. Um, so let me see here, Rob, are there like, what's the big points that you want everyone to know about the two a rally? Uh, I know you just went through a whole thing What's big stuff that you need everyone to know. Big stuff is that it is going to be a live broadcast. That's going to be very interactive, right? It's not just the idea that, you know, there's going to be these recordings that you're going to have to watch. And then you, you, it's going to be kind of like your eyes glaze over. Like we'll be interacting with the comments. We want people sharing. We want people asking questions. A lot of the speakers, um, locked and loaded Latinos will be there. Kevin Dixie will be there. Mm-hmm. Like all, like, you know, there's, they're actually scheduled. People can find out the list of speakers. Um, you know, if I try to recite them off, off of memory, it's not going to work, yeah. but, um, you know, I'll share some of them here in a second. As I open up the, uh, I'm going to go, gonna go to the Instagram, right? Perfect. People are asking me, People are asking me, like, where can they go? So I'm, I'm going to uh, screen share here with you guys for a second. So what was the Instagram, Rob? Uh, 2A Rally. At 2A Rally is the Instagram. Two and then secondamendmentrally.com. Okay, so there so, you go. There's the 2A Rally. And then tell me uh, the Facebook one, so I'll roll that in too. What's the? Rally for your 2A rights. But, but – Okay. If for those of you who are listening that aren't seeing the link, like if you're watching this between now and Saturday, if you just go into your search bar on Facebook and put in 2A Rally, you're going to see multiple events because a lot of our speakers have kind of booked their own events so we get more traction across Facebook. Go into the event and put going or put interested because that helps us with the organic reach. It helps, yeah. they, they, when, when you invite somebody, right, here's the cool thing about the watch party mm-hmm. versus just sharing it. If you Instead of copying a link or just tuning in, mm-hmm. if, you, if you put the watch party on, that is your individual action that it's much harder for Facebook to constrict the exposure, right? Because now you're sharing it with your friends and your followers, and it, it's a, a, a function of the way the algorithms work that – watch party gets more exposure. If you click interested or going on any of those rally events, your friends find out that this is an event you're interested in, right? So it becomes a uh, much more organic way to spread the news. Yeah, by the way, there's new, I, I rolled some of that in. I rolled in the Facebook, I rolled in the Instagram for people who are watching this. The real NOC says Rob touched me. So that's breaking news. <laughs> it's you know though I don't he's not complete. It's a smiley face, right? <laughs> Is it? I uh, think there's a smiley face there. He, I think he it's, did. It's only hey, smiley face when he does it to someone. <laughs> Let me just say he was sleeping in my bed on the other side of this wall like Whoa. two weeks ago. Yeah, so I heard like, about that. I heard yeah, that. So. I was in I was in New Mexico with Kevin Dixie, and he mentioned that he was staying up in your crib in Denver, and I was like. What's up? I, w- I went through Denver also. 
Well, yeah, you do. Reach out. Yeah. Next mm-hmm. time, next time I'm gonna be like Rob. I want those keys. I've got book at a hotel in Denver. <laughs> I'm like the free Airbnb for the gun community because I'm only here about you know 30 percent of the time. So when I'm yeah. back east or I'm traveling around, like yeah, there you reach go. Out. So Patrick, you know, if you have don't moved. park your car out front though. <laughs> oh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got a POS car, so I think it'll be safe. You're good. <laughs> you You're never good. know. You never know. Okay, that's cool. Um, let's see. I want to make sure. I don't know if you've. I don't know if you have to. If you have a hard break or not, Rob. Um, there were. There were probably. Was there something else we needed to talk about here before you get out of here? I just want to make sure. I don't think so. I told everybody like in my even when I announced that I'm like we're supposed to talk about the two A rally, but Hank always finds a way to make it more interesting than that. It's, but it's you. Know, you. <laughs> I'm a, like a squirrel. I'm easily distracted, right? So um, yeah, we're not a good, anyway, we're like not I a said, good combo for staying focused. No, it's too many. But Patrick's story, like that, was mm-hmm. to me like so. Obviously, we got distracted by my truck being stolen while he was dealing with this technical stuff. But you know, Patrick, like the other guy, um, John, um, the weapon snatcher guy from Seattle. Like I've talked to him a lot too. Both of you guys, right? Like to me, you are the guys who absolutely a thousand percent prepared to go harder if you needed to. But mm-hmm. in the way you acted in those moments with crowds around you, with someone with a gun in their hand, potentially going to cause some havoc, the way you guys asserted yourselves and controlled the environment without escalating it, without, you know, I, I always say like should versus could, right? You would have been justified in dropping that guy if you had a gun. Weapon snatcher John, he would have been justified in pulling his gun out and dropping that guy if he or he had his gun out and dropping that guy if he needed to. But you realize, uh, yeah, he froze. He froze there for a second. Uh, we'll we'll get him back. Yeah, let's see. We you never shot him. Uh, well, are, are you back, Rob? You you've already done something wrong. Sec- you froze for a I'm second. Back. So yeah. yeah, I'm back. Yeah. yeah. To me, like, especially in law enforcement, like if, unless you get ambushed, that's one thing. But if you were supposed to go arrest somebody and it escalates to the point where you have to shoot them, mm-hmm. chances are like something may have been missed. Right. So the fact that I've been in situations where maybe technically I could shoot somebody like justified, whether it was on the job or off, but I didn't makes that the better choice. The fact that I didn't have to shoot yes. somebody. Right. And those guys don't and get I any that kudos as, either for, yeah. for so, that So I hold that as a point of yeah. pride. And, and I, I look at what Patrick did. I look at what John did and I say, you know, awesome, man. Like, thank you for setting the example of someone who's completely capable of higher levels of violence, but didn't need to take it there. Recognize that in the moment and, and actually controlled and de-escalated a situation that could have been way worse. Mm-hmm. So I attribute uh, totally to- worthy, worthy distraction. I attribute that to training from, from the prison I was, I worked at. I mean, they taught level the levels of escalation for use of force so at that point i didn't see him aggressing any further so there was no reason for me to go in hard so i was able to go in soft empty empty hand maneuvers so and he complied so i had no reason to have to escalate but a lot of that time people don't realize you don't have time to think about it it's just all reaction and if you don't train regularly you lose that reaction time Training, you say? How could you? <laughs> what? Uh, no, listen, I think it is. I think it is training, but it's also who you are as a person. And and, and one of the things I think is that we need to identify uh, better people for these things instead of just handing them out uh, based on quotas and things like that, right? 
Um, yeah. I know we have a system that works like that, but I, I think that in the long run, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. We need to figure out a way to do this whole thing that we're doing better. We're talking about law enforcement in America, you know, and I know people are upset with it. We need better people are doing it. You obviously worked in corrections. Um, and I think that, and, and from what you said even earlier in this, it seemed like when you, you don't see that as a negative experience, which, um, you know, I've talked to people as a negative experience. I'm not saying it was all fun for you to do that thing. I know Kevin Dixie also uh, did some of that. Um, it's really important to have the right people doing things, you know. Um, to me, that's uh, what's going on. Uh, let me get a couple of things in here. I don't know if uh, Rob's still here or not. Uh, where is he? Where did Rob go? There he goes. Okay, there you go. So listen, Rob, let me, uh, I just want to get this comment in from uh, Kevin Dixie. Kevin Dixie says, uh, Rob deserves more recognition for what he's doing for our rights. I 100% agree with that. I think as long as I've been doing this, I've known you, Rob. I don't think, you know, in the beginning, I used to look at you as this guy in suits just zipping through SHOT Show, <laughs> you know. And uh, the first time I actually met and started talking to Rob, I realized this is a cool dude right here. He's a good guy. He's not super judgmental. He doesn't get all up on a high horse, even though he could put on that suit and look all business. He can get down in the dirt with people. And I agree with what Kevin Dixie is saying. I don't think you get enough recognition for all the things you're doing for the community. Sometimes people get mad at you and hate on you. Um, you know, when I know that where you're coming from, you're just trying to challenge all of our minds and make us, you know, think outside of the box and all of that. And I really wish that um, people saw the complete you more versus what we see, you know, like there's people just taking little fragments and pieces of who and what you are. What do you think I appreciate about that? It is. I, I do appreciate it. It is. It is. Cindy Lou appreciates it. I, I, I appreciate it. it is, you know, it's funny to me, like, like, for example, like her, like someone's going to say, oh, Rob put his five year old on YouTube just to get like extra likes. You know, he's, he uses it like somebody threw that. Yeah. Threw that out a couple weeks ago. <laughs> really? That's yeah. so crazy. You're just a good dad. <laughs> your child wanting to hop up in your lap. Got yeah. I, 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 know, I know the drill. <laughs> yeah. Like, happened. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So with the, um, I do, I, I will tell you that like never, I did, I was doing a podcast with Sandhill Shear last night and a bunch of us were talking. I don't have like, I don't go in the room, like the mirror and wonder if I'm doing good or wonder if I'm making a difference or wonder, like it just doesn't even occur to me. Like I know based on public feedback, the over feedback over the last couple of decades and certainly a lot of the private interactions. What I wonder is like, how can I do it better? How can I do more? And, and there's a very, very fine line for some people. And for me, it's this chasm of gray area between pushing forward to do as much as you can without regard for how some of those things you're doing might anger or offend or confuse some segment of the audience. Right. And then the other side is you just you just only do the things that aren't going to get you the negative attention. Right. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what happens, I think a lot of people choose their click. And they say, OK, I'm going to appeal to this group and this group's going to love me and I'm just going to cast off everybody else as haters. Well, what I end up with is like I have I was talking to one of the uh, parents in, in uh, Cindy Lou's school today at the playground after school. I picked her up. We all went to the park and he was I was wearing this shirt. So he, he asked about like uh, like the gun thing and kind of like the curiosity question. You're like, oh, what's up with the gun thing? And the 
where it got to was, wow, man, you must, you must have like the most frustrating job in the world. Mm-hmm. Looks like we, uh, Rosie. yeah, we'll get you outside. Uh-huh. Go ahead. And are you guys there? Yep. We're here. Yeah, we're here. Okay. I was talking about walk to talk America. Yeah. Someone was asking right? you and, about the shirt you were saying. Yeah. Like, so they were asking about the shirt because it was one of the parents who's not a gun guy, but he was actually, he's like, I'm the only guy in my circle of friends that really doesn't have a gun or doesn't hunt or whatever, but I don't know anybody who works in the community. And I said, Oh yeah, well that's what I do. And, and then I was talking about the advocacy stuff and the advocacy stuff is, is really, I do walk that line. Right. I mean, like, for example, we talked about um, Dan Gross coming to the rally. Well, a lot of people got that instantly. They're like, wow, what a coup that you just got the former president of the Brady campaign to come to a second amendment rally and talk on our behalf and, and like respectfully and, and reach out and kind of offer that like hand of cooperation and conversation. And other people freaked out. Like, how dare you? Like, well, how could you do that? Like, he's a spy. You're being duped. Like, they're going to flip. Like, they're going to be. N- yeah. No, like, you don't have to trust me, but I have to trust myself on that. Right. Like, I, I knew that guy for a year and he spent three days out in the rain at a handgun course two months after I met him because I said, hey, if you're serious about this, come out and meet some of the people at a class and come, come shoot. Sorry, two days out in the rain. We spent three days uh, kind of meeting around that. And like I, I know plenty of people in the gun community that I've offered free classes to you like, well, if you want to see what it's all about, come out to the gun range. You, you can't be bothered. Right. So here's the guy from the other side who actually spent the two days in, in Massachusetts, uh, of course, sponsored by Goal. And of course, Goal does a lot of great work for gun rights and they knew who he was and what this was about. And like, hey, if you're serious, show up on the range. And he did. And he did the work and he put in the time. And it was 11 months, sorry, 13 months later that he took that stage. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the the coming out party. Well, the people that want to say like, oh, I'm a traitor because I'm working with the former president of Brady campaign. Like that's like, I can't help you. Like, I'm not going to not take that opportunity to let this guy meet real people in the gun community and speak his truth to the gun community based on what he saw and what he was frustrated with and what he thought was a better path in life to really reduce negative outcomes of guns was working with gun owners instead of against them. That's an important message that needs to be shared. And I do that fully knowing you're gonna that get I'm going to get attacked. You're going to get hate. Let and me ask Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not the motivation. So, yeah. so I appreciate you saying that, but you, but you also have to know that for every one of those, you know, negative comments or snipes or whatever, I've had hundreds, if not thousands of positive interactions from this community and from outside of this community to include the conversation I had today at the park because of the work I do. And because of people like you helping me share it and the people that uh, like Chris Chang and Cheryl Todd and Kevin Dixie and Locked and Loaded Latinos, Rolo and Johanna, that those people who are working with me and collaborating with me to be positive and make earth better, like that's that's where the the payoff is, and and almost zero moments get spent worrying about the snipes. You know, it's it just not. I agree with that. One last quick question, and then we're letting you out of here. If you can give us a quick answer, uh, I don't know if that's possible, but here's the question: <laughs> Is it possible, or you got to go right now? Yeah, let's do it. Do okay, it. Uh, Brian Quick says: Is there any evidence Pro Two A advocacy has a direct has had a direct impact on the Two A? On the Second Amendment, yes, I would I would say absolutely, and and probably the biggest way I can talk about that is that we are normalizing and we are changing the conversation and the view of gun owners in America. When you look at reports from like what I would call like 
neutral or left-leaning, even mainstream media. And I know that people find it hard to believe there's any neutral media out there. But when you look at people talking about hold my guns, when you look at people talking about Maj Teray and Black Guns Matter, when you look at people talking about the diversity at the 2A rally, when you look at people like Gabby Franco and her story getting told, when you look at Chris Chang, right, his story being told is one of the top shot winners who also happens to be, you know, a, a homosexual Asian that lives in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Like when you see, these stories are shared and talked about. And if people weren't talking proudly about being American gun owners, you know, one of the things that frustrates me is when people say, yeah, when people ask me if I own guns, I tell them it's none of their business. Like, why are you ashamed of owning guns? Like, I don't understand. Like, if you're a, if you're a violent felon that's not supposed to own guns, I understand why you're walking away from that question, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are, or if you're any, you know, if you're, a, if you're a prohibited person, I understand why you're walking away from that question. But if you are a proud, responsible American gun owner, why would you ever not proudly state, yes, I am? Like, I wear that somebody's sniped at this shirt. Like, the fact that I go to the park with my daughter in a relatively blue, left-leaning community, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, that mm-hmm. I'm carrying a gun and I'm wearing this shirt. I'm not wearing it confrontationally. I'm not open carrying. It confused, This shirt confuses people because it's like they see it. If somebody in Denver is wearing a rainbow, like, this is a pro-lifestyle choice kind of symbol. But then, oh, wait a minute. You know what they did at Guns for Everyone, they put a bunch of different guns and they put guns for everyone in the middle. And it confuses people and engages people in conversation. And that's what I tell people. Don't put the AR over your shoulder and go to Starbucks thinking you're going to create a dialogue about guns. Wear a T-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely Especially like this. Mm-hmm. I, to- I, I totally agree. What's 17? Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you there, Rob. OK, your daughter is obviously done. And I do appreciate you coming on, brother. Uh, so Patrick and I will write out the rest of this. Um, you know, thanks so much. Uh, make sure everyone checks out the 2A Rally. It's going to be virtual. Uh, you 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 just just search 2A Rally Facebook, Instagram, etc., and and look up Rob for that. Thanks so much, Rob and Cindy Lou for uh, coming on the show. We appreciate you guys. <laughs> All right, thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, nice meeting you. All right, and I will jump back. In- here after I get her fit. Right. All right. Understood. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly what that kind of what kind of energy uh, Rob's dealing with over there, man. It's oh, awesome yeah. when your kids are young and and they're uh, you know they they need your attention so much. Believe it. Or, believe it or not, like mine are mine are older and they don't need my attention so much. And I'm kind of missing when they were just little babies and they thought I was like their superhero. So, um, let's, let's do this. So Patrick, um, you know, do you have kids by the way? It's just me and Patrick now for all of you guys hanging out with us. Huh? I've got five kids, three, three biological kids and three step kids. Oh, awesome. Congratulations, man. That's, uh, two kids. Oh, okay. And one to be in the third grandkid in December. Oh, wow. (laughs) You've done it. (laughs) Hey, congratulations on that. That's awesome. Let me invite everyone out there to smash the thumbs up. So the rest of time that we have remaining, we are talking to Patrick Dominguez. He is the gentleman who uh, who rested away, and I'm deliberately saying it that way because I don't think you wrestled away the firearms from that guy. But I think you, as Rob was saying, you helped him out there, man. You know that could have gotten just gone bad in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, so I think at the end of the day. Um, you know, even though there was a discharge there and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, I think it was good that you were there. You helped uh, pacify that situation, maybe keep someone from getting hurt. Um, so Lola's throwing up some questions here. 
Um, do, do you home carry? I see some people were asking earlier about like your belt. You got the belt on. Don't, uh, yeah, don't handle anything wrong. Uh, don't in- handle anything, Patrick, because we, we can't we no. can't do that on the show. So I'm not handling. My hand yes. is off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and but you do, weapon, so you do home weapon, carry for the people who want to home carry. Yeah. Uh, but my weapon only leaves a holster mm-hmm. when it's going from one holster to another holster, cleaning it, or I'm at the range. Oh, okay, okay. John Voorhees wants me to tell you that you don't look a day over 20. <laughs> 45. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Rain says a man always has time for a family at any moment. Latino locked and loaded is smashing the thumbs up. Shout out to those guys. You guys should check out their podcast if you haven't checked it out already. I see Elfsters is out there. Um, uh, let's see. Let's go back. Uh, and by the way, Brian Quick is the one causing trouble that was sniping at Rob. He says so brave, so progressive. The same. Rob answered your question. You're still going with that, Brian. Still, you're still getting at him over the T-shirt. It's just. <laughs> it was nice to see that uh, you had uh, Guns and Gadgets is uh, one of your followers, and that uh, he's actually one of the uh, first guys I started watching when mm-hmm. I got into the two-way movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Jerry, he's, he's, a, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a good dude. He was able to uh, join us here earlier. I'm sure he's out there. Uh, he's he's you know he, that's a busy guy, right? Oh, yes, he yeah, is. He's getting a lot of work done out there. Shout out to him uh, for coming in here. So, uh, you know, Brian Quick says, let's be honest, your family drives you crazy, especially over the holidays. Okay. <laughs> That's your mission, obviously, Brian. Um, uh, and John Voorhees says, tell him 45 is a good age because it's reliable in a gun. There you go. Um, what kind, So other, other than... Other than this incident that went down, man, what, like, who are you? What other stuff, you know, do you get into? Like, you know, what's the uh, the normal uh, side of what you do? My normal side is working home, and I go where the good Lord tells me to go. If I feel a pull in my heart, mm-hmm. drives my wife crazy, but I have to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, a few months back, uh, you had BLM and the black uh, – no, Antifa holding protests down in New Orleans and all that, and mm-hmm. I was drawn to go down there. Uh, and they, they had two more instigators wanted to show up there from the right, mm-hmm. right wing extremists, and they wanted to try to stir stuff. I ended up talking down the protesters and all that from attacking them too. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it seems like wherever I'm called to go, I'm. I help prevent something from happening. Okay. And it's not what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not going looking for anything. It's just, it's where I moved to be. Okay. I understand that, man. That's cool. Um, I, I think I completely understand that, right? Each of all of us have our own paths to walk, right? They're not all the same, but uh, sometimes they cross each other, right? Mm. Or we walk right next to each other. People are brought into your life. Everybody comes for a reason. Some are to learn from, some are to teach. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's you're gonna get something from somebody somewhere, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. You know what? Here, I just I completely forgot about this, and I do want to share this with everyone 
before we get out of here. So all you guys who watch the show normally, you remember Walter, and I think you probably remember last year I went to uh, the wedding of his daughter, coincidentally, in Louisiana. Um, well, so her husband is uh, having some issues. He has to have a liver transplant, uh, transplant um, and these guys, you know, uh, are, are in need of some help. So I wanted to take time on behalf of Walter and his family and, uh, and also, you know, um, someone who I know myself. Uh, I'll throw this up here for you guys. If you're, if you're interested, there is a link in the description of this video if you can help out. Um, it's uh, the, the title of it. It's on GoFundMe. The title is Help for My Son Jason C. Cook. Liver, uh, liver transplant. Uh, it says, hi, everyone. Needing funds for my son for liver transplant ASAP. Also need donors. I know this is a lot to ask, but his life depends on this. Any donations are welcome. God bless you uh, and thank you. And, um, and there you see right next to Jason is his wife, Alexis, who is Walter's daughter that we went to the wedding. You know, if, if, if you guys ever remember me telling you about the wedding that we went to in Louisiana where everyone was dressed up in costume and all that kind of stuff, it was the wedding of Alexis and Jason. Uh, really good, hardworking folks out there. Uh, you know, I feel bad that all this stuff is happening to them. So if anyone out there can help in any way, even if it's just like helping us share uh, this GoFundMe, it would really be appreciated if you could throw it up on your social media or anywhere else. So um, Lola, I think, is throwing up a link in there uh, if you guys want to check that out. And Latina Locked and Loaded says praying for Walter and uh, his, his, his son. So, yeah, that's a tough thing to go through, you know. Um, and, and they're not, they're, you know, Jason's not that, not that old either, so, you know. Um, anyway, I wanted to make sure I got that up there for everyone. Um, Lola did put the link up there. So let's see. Any, uh, what other stuff is going on, man? You were talking about Nigeria. What did you think overall of Nigeria when you were there? Was everything, like, was it all bad, some good stuff? You know, like Rob's saying, there's always, like, little oasises. Well, I was, uh, my experience in Nigeria, I was there in 95, uh, not 95, 2005, uh, in 2004, 2004 and 2005. And uh, so, how can I put it? My first impression of Nigeria was when I got there, it smelled like I walked into a, uh, a gym. Really? <laughs> okay. Oh, right. it was it was a rough it was a rough transition. Mm -hmm. But uh, the people there I met really were good people. I mean, I mean, I met some bad. We actually had one guy from one of the communities. We had a, another community come on board us to uh, to take him out because. He was selling property that wasn't his, that belonged to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens in Nigeria. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's well, where, you know, all those emails from Nigerian things. princes, that's where that comes from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've worked in Nigeria, but I met some real good, uh, one of my good friends there, Alex. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, though, but he was a war, war, war chief. Mm -hmm. uh, actually earned respect from him because I didn't bow down to a youth war chief from... Uh, Fort Hardcore. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so, but I'm sure that's a whole different story there. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. 
But we they had some good people there. They had some bad people. I mean, you take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah. do I want to go back there? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, when they told me I could not bring a gun to defend myself after being shot at by the by the Al-Qaeda cell, and the Nigerian Navy doesn't couldn't hit shit. Nah. Yeah, I said, give me a gun or give me a ticket, one or two. Because I'm out there working. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing uh, offshore pipelining right. and setting salvage in offshore platforms. Yeah. I'm not out there to do combat or do any of this or security. I'm just working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I Listen, I completely understand, man. I have a couple of friends that do that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I know they have to have security. It's, it's weird, man. All of these places, I think, around the world are a little bit weird. There's beautiful things about them, but then, you know, like once you understand what it really is to be in America, and America's not perfect and you're not safe here either, right? Bad things happen to people here. Um, But this is a different place from a lot of places around the world. You know, even what we would call like other first world countries, um, I can't really think of one that I'm like, hey, I would rather live there than in America. That's why I always try to tell people, Let's like actually work on fixing whatever's wrong, the problems that we have here. I think we can all acknowledge that there's problems here. Let's work on that instead of trying to work on making America into a lot of these other places, you know. So, I think the key key on that right there is mm-hmm. is like Morgan Freeman said, stop teaching the hate. Mm-hmm. Hate is something that is learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know down here in the South, in the black community primarily, the hate is taught by the family and by the by the kids, mm-hmm. the peers. I mean, if you got a black black kid and they got a bunch of white friends, and they're trying to get away from that culture to better themselves, then the blacks in the community attack them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a it's a culture thing. It's not a race thing. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, you got the same thing. You got white people doing the same doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hispanics do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We stop teaching the hate and come together as one people, one nation instead of African American, Asian American, Hispanic American. That's why I say I'm half Mexican, I'm half Irish, but I'm 100 percent American. Mm-hmm. Amen. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having our culture from different places. I think that where we run into a problem is if we're here in America, there's a reason why we're here, why we prefer to be here. So you can preserve your culture and all those great, beautiful things about the country or the background that you come from racially or whatever, but you don't have to tear down uh, the good things about what America is. If anything, you should try to shore that up and lift that up and make it better for your children and your grandchildren and those people who live in the world after you, you know? This is really the way that it should be instead of, you know, I see, like, I don't know, it distresses me sometimes when I see something bad happens to America or Americans and there's people out there celebrating it like, you know, like you would expect in some foreign country that hates us and when something happens they're out in the streets screaming and and, and shooting off guns because they're happy something bad happened to America and there's people here that do that same thing and it's too bad. You know, um, because we're we're all gonna suffer from that. So, yeah. Uh, listen, I, I we I know we crossed over the the nine o'clock hour here. You've already done two hours. Um, I think it was a good conversation. I look forward to having you on here again if you're if you're up for it. 
Anytime, man. Just yeah. give me a heads up. Absolutely. So for the folks out there who are watching this, discovering you here for the first time, you know, do you prefer to be private or is there somewhere that if people want to communicate with you that they could do that? Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Okay. I mean, <laughs> uh, like I said, this is my first time doing anything on Skype. So okay. you go on Facebook and you're looking for me just when you send me, a, if you send me a friend's request, because it's private. Mm -hmm. Uh Make sure you tell me where, where you, because I'm gonna ask where, where, where you, where you know me from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't just put anybody on there, so I'm. Right. I want to know, and you, and I give you a chance. He said, he said you from the, sh you saw me from the show. Awesome, awesome. So thanks. So for anyone out there who is interested, please do that. Uh, Patrick Dominguez, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate Rob Pinkus for joining us as well. All the other folks out there. I hope you guys smash the thumbs up. Patrick, stay right there. Don't go anywhere. Big shout out to Harry's Holster. We're going to wrap this up right now. If you guys want to support us, go to HankStrange.com. And uh, you can find all the different ways to do that there. I'm going to roll in the end right now. Stand by. Boom. <laughs> all right. So make sure you guys uh, subscribe to the channel here. Ring the bell. That's especially important if you... Uh, if you want to be notified whenever we go live, we are going to pull out the audio from this and every podcast and throw it up on iTunes and other places that you uh, that you, that you know that you get your audio podcast from. Um, as I've said many times before, if there's anyone out there from NFAC or any other organization or whatever we talked about you, you know, if you're in Nigeria or something like that, unless you're not trying to run a run a game on us. Hit me up and, you know, we'll consider it. Patrick, you basically just reached out to me, right? You didn't know me. No, well, I, I reached out to you. I didn't know you. Yeah. I just saw, I wanted to clarify this. Like, I'm not a cop. I get accused of that all the time, yeah. but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, I'm going to give you the last word, Patrick. What would you like the folks out there to know? What are your last words, sir? Hey, love your neighbor. Look out for each other. One thing I've seen lately is more and more people are turning a blind eye to their neighbors, mm -hmm. not paying attention to what's going on around them, letting bad things happen to good people. Be that person to step up. We are each other's brother's keepers. Cops can't be there to, all the time, so we got to look out for each other. We want to be safe. Make everybody safe. Amen. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I appreciate that. All right, brother. Peace out. Thanks so much. Stay right there. We're out of here, guys. We'll see you soon. Peace.